Will AI destroy the world? Find out today on Epic Fails of History. And recording. Make sure I get that uh, beer pop right on there. <laughs> I did mine just before. <laughs> oh, I'm not professional. That's the whole point. Mm. Oh, good, good. Because I'm not wearing pants, so. <laughs> That's on brand too. I'm Eric Slater. I'm Justin Aki. And I'm Chris Carroll. And this is Epic Fails of um, History. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. The only thing we have to fear is fear When the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. Epic fails. Machine intelligence is the last invention that humanity will ever need to make. Nick Bostrom. Today on Epic Fails of History, we're talking about chat GPT, automation, machine learning, and the rise of artificial intelligence. Meet Alpha the robot, constructed entirely of metal, but controlled only by the voice. Raise your right arm. Fire! The history of artificial intelligence is a complex one. Ancient stories from mythology talk about autonomous stone golems. Early science fiction from the Victorian era predicted advancements in robotics and AI. The first use of the term robot comes from a 1920 Czech play which depicted a robot uprising. And there have been numerous sci-fi examples that have played off of this theme ever since. Isaac Asimov even suggested the concept of the three laws of robotics in order to hopefully avoid such an outcome. Pioneers like Ada Lovelace were able to invent the concept of computer programming before the invention of the computer. And Alan Turing devised the Turing test in the very early days of analog computers. But as science fiction rapidly becomes science reality, it's worth considering the possibilities and weighing the potential pros and cons so that we can plan for the worst and hope for the best. After all, just like the advent of nuclear power, every technology is a double-edged sword. But what about the city of the day after tomorrow, say the year 2000? I think it will be completely different. In fact, it may not even exist at all. Oh, I'm not thinking of the atom bomb and the next stone age. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough which has been made possible by developments in communications, particularly the transistor and, above all, the communications satellite. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other, wherever we may be, where we can contact our friends anywhere on Earth, even if we don't know their actual physical location. It will be possible in that age, perhaps only 50 years from now, for a man to conduct his business from Tahiti or Bali, just as well as he could from London. The 20th century brought about a significant increase in technological progress. In a short period of time, the Wright brothers created the world's first airplane in 1903. Just 10 years later, fighter planes were used in World War I. By the 30s, commercial airplanes were the norm. 
The first satellite was launched by the USSR in 1957, and Apollo 11 landed American astronauts on the moon in 1969. The earliest computers in the 50s were massive warehouse-sized calculators with vacuum tubes. Eventually, thanks to the invention of the microchip, computer advancement exploded exponentially throughout the 80s and 90s. As the chips got smaller, more powerful, and affordable, home computers soon became commonplace. The creation of the internet completely changed everything once again, connecting the world like never before with near instantaneous communication, thanks to Sir Tim Berners-Lee, who helped devise the World Wide Web. And next thing we knew, everyone had smartphones. We now all have cell phones that are vastly superior to the largest NASA supercomputers of the space shuttle program. And in recent years, Google and other companies are investing billions of dollars into researching the very real potential of quantum computing. And now, there's AI. It seems as though we're on the verge of a technological singularity, like nothing we've ever faced before. But are we ready? Welcome back to Epic Fails of History. I'm Eric Slater, here with my co-host once again, Justin Aki. Hello, hello. And today we're going to be talking about the future of AI with our special guest, Leo Allen Jr., the host of the Voluntary Input Podcast. How's it going, Leo? Going great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, excited to get into this conversation with you today. So something we like to ask a lot of our new guests is, what do you think is one of the most epic fails in history or um, recent history? Well... The first one I think is an epic fail. Actually, I don't know if I probably shouldn't say it's a fail, but it <laughs> really ticks me off is this whole Elon Musk literally, literally littering outer space with yeah. tiny satellites for piss poor internet. <laughs> it's absolutely atrocious. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Um, so he, what, what's the total? Is it supposed to be 58,000 by the time this is all done? Oh my God, that's obscene. 58,000 small wild. satellites just to provide internet mm -hmm. at speeds that we can already get from using things like AT&T, DirecTV. They still have satellite, satellite internet. Yeah, right. You know why no one likes to use it? <laughs> it sucks. Because it sucks, exactly. Right. Yeah, if you're in a trailer in Colorado and you just need to be able to download something or like pre-batch stuff, great. But I mean, hell, at that point, it's almost easier to do that shit of a radio connection. Exactly. Just get DSL or dial up at that point. And that's all his, I like to call it Skynet just to be a jerk. That's all <laughs> Skynet is doing right now. I mean, they just yeah. released the stats, how it's going so far, and it's no better than that direct TV stuff. And it's kind of not surprising. I don't know if a lot of people out there know this. This is actually something I learned recently, but the internet is really, every every country is connected by these massive fiber cables, right? Yep. Uh, fiber optics cables under the ocean. They like laid out these huge ass cables under each under the oceans. And I always kind of assumed there was like some kind of satellite component when it came to like nope. connecting everyone. But that's not the case at all, because nope. there would be that delay, as we've seen. in you know, like we mentioned with DirecTV and all that. Uh, so, yeah, that's my point. Definitely inferior. I kind of can see some of the potential pros, but I don't know if they outweigh the cons, you know, like they, do, I get they most certainly do not. <laughs> that's my point. Now, you, can, right. you can lay you can lay cables 
And sure. don't forget, the first cable that was laid in the ocean was back in the 1800s when they were doing telegraph. Oh, wow. I the 1860s, to be honest. Exactly. 1850s, 1850s. That's amazing. Related. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So they keep, I mean, so this whole thing about putting these satellites up is to get internet to rural areas that can't get it. You can drop cables in the ocean <laughs> connecting yeah. continents, but you can't get Joe Bob in the Appalachian Mountains <laughs> some internet. That's a total crock. You don't want to. That's really what the problem is, is because when we gave the cable companies control of the Internet. Mm, that's what it is. Yeah. It's not that they can't do it. They don't want to. Mm -hmm. Well, it costs them. It's, a, it's about control. And hear me out. And this, we all know how Elon Musk likes his control. Oh, he wants yeah. to be the sole provider of everything. So if he is the provider of the Internet, you know, we've already seen the Ukraine. He turns it on, turns it off just based yeah. on a whim. Um, it's because mm -hmm. he is not under mm -hmm. the same treaties and obligations that all of our normal cable providers, everyone who has a cable in the ocean has a treaty involved with that. Like you have to get permissions to go through people's territory. There's stuff involved. There, there's, there's whole uh, groups of the UN just tied to making sure that we can talk to each other, connect to each other. That's why yeah. one of these cables goes down. It's a, a miracle that everything goes back correctly because we have these rules in place. Elon Musk doesn't have to follow those rules because he's in space. It, it, yeah. That's literally he wants control over is. all of the internet too. So keep, keep in mind that forget. the reason is has to do about control has nothing to do with uh, he's going to you know basically have Kessler syndrome going up in the thing when right. these things There's already are disposable. So Yep. There's so much space junk up there as it is. And now you're just throwing space junk up there. Yeah, exactly. And don't forget, he has as much as I hate ugh, to know this. He has a lot of political pull and influence. Yeah, SpaceX. No one else would have been able to do this, but because he's him, mm -hmm. they let him. They give him a pass. He's literally it's, just it's throwing because junk he's putting in the sky. us in space that we let him get away yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, okay, so you shoot off a rocket every six days or whatever. Which, yeah, as much as everyone wants to say, you know, space is the final frontier. We don't have our <laughs> shit together on Earth, and he's just no, burning up sulfur dioxide every you know six to eight days. Yeah. I like to use the old analogy, you know, you tell the devil I'm starving, so he gives you soup, but he gives your brother poison. Right. So do you keep eating the soup while your brother's being poisoned, or what do you do? That's, that's an apt metaphor. That's really good. And I know a lot of astronomers are pissed because, you know, it's blocking. It's, oh, gosh. Like, yeah, it's a whole thing. It's a whole I thing. I just want Okay. But anyway, because sure. I could get worked up over Elon Musk, and I think oh, we all Oh, me could. too. <laughs> and the, the thing is, like, just a real quick note about that. I actually talked about him like years ago on this podcast. And what I, I at the time kind of had respect for him with what he was doing with SpaceX. Same. But he's really just over the last few years. What is he doing? <laughs> Best know, Elon Musk like, was Iron Man to Elon Musk. That's all that's all has to be said. Yeah, like <laughs> it reminds me of like Heath Ledger's Joker. Some men just want to watch the world burn. You know, Ex like he's a troll. Ooh, yep. he's, a, he's a rich troll. And it's just disappointing because someone with that much power and influence, they could do really good things for the world. Instead, he's just making it worse. Typical rich guy bullshit is like cheat on your wife. But right. he already has like 12 <laughs> yeah. kids. So it's not like yeah, he's yeah. getting the thrill out of that. Anymore. Well, you know why that is, right? Are we going to keep going down this rabbit hole? You know why he has so many kids, <laughs> real right? Real quick, yeah. He wants to repopulate oh. the earth with just him? No, well, no. It's like a bond Close. Close. <laughs> he says that, and this part is kind of true, uh, the birth rates in the world have been dropping. That's so true. he's doing his part to help out. 
He's causing that with all the yeah. money moving bullshit. Like <laughs> nobody can afford to have a house, much less a kid. Um, like what? Why would why would you bring something into this world? So, dude, yeah. he literally said that. That's why he has these kids. Yeah. Listen, the artificial intelligence sphere is led by non-intelligence. Let's just say that. Okay. <laughs> so I did have another epic fail that's oh, close awesome. close Bonus. to my heart. It's close to my heart. I fought tooth and nail over this. I knew I knew it was going to happen, but I really didn't want it to happen. This was something I really loved. Guys, I've been playing video games since the first Pong machine. Oh, I wow. even used to program video games, not, you know, professionally or anything. But when I first learned programming, that's what I did all the time. That's awesome. I've, I was always, I loved gaming. Now, you know, over time, over the years, I don't have time to be dedicated to gaming. So I just right. needed, but I still like to play from time to time. For sure. Something casual, something easy to get into. Google Stadia. Oh, <laughs> oh I feel for you, recent. buddy. I feel for yeah. you. I, I beta I... tested it and I got my free copy of uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but uh, yeah, no, I didn't stick with it. <laughs> I loved everything about Google Stadia. Uh, everything about it was perfect. I still have controllers and some other. They even gave me a free Chromecast. I got two free controllers and then I ended up getting one when Cyberpunk came out. I pre ordered it. They sent me another uh, free controller. I was all in. We would go on vacation, you know, my, yeah. me, you know, the family. And I have a son who loves Madden. They brought Madden to Stadia. Oh, wow. I could I go on vacation and take a Chromecast. All you had to do was bring a Chromecast with you, yeah. plug it into a TV, and we're playing video games. All my entire video game library, wow. everywhere I wanted to go on my phone, on a tablet, on a computer, on the Chromecast. I never experienced any latency problems, hiccups, or anything. It was perfect. Aww. And everyone yeah, kept tragic. saying, you know, it's not going to last because Google kills everything. And I'm like, you know what? Shut up. And then I said, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to enjoy it while it lasts, while it lasts. And then they killed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm still upset about Google Reader, buddy. Mm. So I, I don't feel for you at all because Google kills everything. <laughs> the only reason they haven't killed Gmail is because everyone in the world uses it. Okay. <laughs> so, and yeah. it's tied to everything, too. Like, you know, even your phone, if you have an Android phone, which I'm all in. And now I still look. That I'm would still, ruin the economy still, if they think that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. I'm still <laughs> beholden be to Google. I always tell people all the time Google runs my life. I mean, they're all throughout mm. my house. And Ditto. Blah, blah, blah. I'm wearing some Pixel earbuds in my ear right now. Oh, dude. I, I love them. Pros. <laughs> I love them pros, bro. <laughs> Those are my faves. <laughs> but yeah, the whole Stadia thing was an epic fail because they kept telling people, hey, look, and they would give us new games every month free. Yeah. Something you had to just buy, whatever. And they kept assuring people, no, it's fine. We got new stuff coming. We got new stuff coming. And then bam. Wah, 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 wah. You know what it is? It was ahead of its time. It's good. It was like we weren't ready for it, you know? <laughs> I don't have time for games anymore. I gave it up to be on podcasts like this. <laughs> yeah, it's all my fault. Good call, good call. Hear ye, hear ye. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. For today's episode, I'd like to recommend Robopocalypse by Daniel H. Wilson. It's a modern take on the classic robot uprising story, with unique viewpoints from different perspectives around the world, told as a history of a potential not-too-distant future, where machines rise up against mankind on a global scale. If you enjoyed Max Brooks's World War Z, you'll love Robopocalypse. And if you're like me and you don't have a lot of 
free time or energy to read as many physical books these days, Audible has you covered. Or is that just what our robot overlords want us to think? After all, what is real? Am I even here, or am I just a deep fake algorithm? Have the machines already won and we didn't even notice? Maybe it's all just a simulation. Anywho, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash epicfails with a K. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash E-P-I-K fails for your free audiobook. All four Epic Fails history books are available now on Audible, as well as my latest book, Are you nostalgic for a simpler time? A time where controllers didn't have so many buttons. A time where games weren't so overly complicated by so many plot devices. Yeah. Me too. I miss my NES. Hi. (laughs) I'm Bill, and I absolutely love old video games. But... I didn't have anyone to play with. So I decided to start the Super Switch Club. That's right, a podcast dedicated to discussing and reliving the nostalgia of retro video games that are also on the Nintendo Online Virtual Library. Games like... Star Fox. Super Mario World. Kirby's Dream Land 3. Echo the Dolphin. Donkey Kong Country. The Legend of Zelda. Castlevania Bloodline. Super Metroid. Shining Force. Balloon Fight. Punch-Out. Sonic 2. F-Zero. Banjo-Kazooie. Tetris. Pokemon Snap and so much more. The Super Switch Club is a Podcasters Assemble style show from the We Can Make This Work, probably, podcast network. A podcast where we peel away the veneer of nostalgia and play some unnecessarily difficult video games just because our friends are playing them too. So join us on the Super Switch Club, where you can relive the nostalgia of tearing your hair out over an NES game that loves to troll the shit out of you. Fantastic. I'm thoroughly looking forward to this. Yeah, that sounds good. Best of all, you can too. Head on over to probablywork.com slash superswitchclub now to learn more. Epic Wins of History! For today's Epic Win of History, we're talking about Alan Turing, a British mathematician who helped to create the modern computer and cracked the Nazis' secret codes during World War II. Alan Turing was a natural at math and science and studied at King's College, Cambridge. From there, Turing was hired as a codebreaker for the British Army, attempting to crack the German Enigma code. After the war, he moved to London and began working on designing the ACE, the Automatic Computing Engine, the predecessor to the modern-day computer. He was unfortunately prosecuted for being gay and was chemically castrated, which tragically eventually led to his suicide by cyanide poisoning. It's truly unfortunate that a man whose genius helped reshape the world to a degree never before imagined was not only unappreciated in his time, but actively persecuted, just for being who he was. Alan Turing laid the foundation for our modern world, and we owe it all to his legacy. For a couple of related topics, uh, check out episode 15, where we talked to Jimmy Lester about Y2K, and episode 22, where we spoke with Devin Clark about the history of hackers. And today we'll be diving into the world of artificial intelligence. Oh, I want to hear those other episodes you just mentioned. <laughs> Absolutely. Those are great. We'll have them linked in the Go show. to your latest podcast player. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. The history of hackers. Yeah, that, that's, that was a fun conversation. We definitely got into it. Oh, I'll bet. So one of the reasons I wanted to get Leo on for this episode is because this is a subject you're very passionate about. 
And you've actually interviewed a number of industry professionals on on your own podcast who are actively working on developing this technology. So yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us because uh, you know I'm kind of a noob when it comes to this subject. I know Justin has actually used it uh, quite a bit for his work, and I'm I'm sure you've delved into it as well. But I've only like messed around with it here and there, so this is all new to me for the most part. I'm definitely fascinated and I'm curious to to hear your thoughts today. Let me guess, you're messing with it was chat GPT and some image generator. Google Bard. Yeah, all that Bard, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so just just real quick, um, I started, I always say I always I started messing around with computers in the 80s. Uh, I started when basic programming was just plopped on our shelves and in our laps. And I jumped in with a like a lot of people with the old TRS-80 Coco. And I was like, hmm, this looks interesting. And then next thing I know, I was addicted to it and just started programming, 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 and just started learning a lot of things. And then over the years, you know, everything just started evolving. And the next thing we know, we started getting operating systems, you know, mm. Windows came around and then uh, the Mac. Right? Yeah, that user interface, right? Yeah, because before people who don't know, <laughs> before, if you bought a computer, All you youngins it, out did, there. it did nothing until... Yeah you made it do what you wanted it to do. And, you know, people smart enough, you know, smarter than me, like uh, Bill Gates and uh, Wozniak and Jobs, they were like, hey, uh, what if we build it to where when people turn on their computer, everything they want is already there. And so here we are today. That's why your computers are the way they are today. Because that was really a smart move because no one has time to go home and say, I really need to make a spreadsheet or I need a calculator. Mm-hmm. Who's going to sit there and program a calculator? You know, yeah, you just turn exactly. it on and there it is. So mm-hmm. I'm so still anyway. upset they took my 16 switches from me because I had to flip those in certain sequences <laughs> to program exactly what I needed. I missed my <laughs> Apple Mac too. There was a sequence to it, wasn't it? It was like eight, four, seven. You didn't go one through 16. You had to go a certain pattern. <laughs> when you're programming the registers by hand, you have a list next to you. You know, this is before the punch cards. So. Oh, I have a aunt that did that, that wow. data entry with punch cards. Oh, my oh, gosh. That's incredible. She, oh, it was all day. Like, that was, that's, I'm like, okay. I would have never done that job. That's not yeah. a, yeah, that was torture. That wasn't Ooh. a job. But anyway, I say all this, all that to say, you know, I've been pretty much deep in technology since then. And so awesome. when it comes to AI, as it started to become popular, it, it just, you know, fascinated me. The conversations were always, well, here comes the end of the world. Right. And I'm like, wait, no, no, <laughs> that's not actually what this is. Because I think what happens is people confuse efficiency and speed with intelligence. Yeah. People have to remember AI is not intelligent. It's only efficient. It's an efficient tool like any other highly efficient tool. Yeah. I mean, I remember I took a programming class back in college and the professor basically said, this is a this is a box of rocks, you know, like it's dumb. You have to tell it what to do. And like step by step, you know, like that's why we have like, you know, uh, was it the uh, flow chart? Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And and I, you know, that used to be an old saying and I still say it to this day. Computers are idiots. (laughs) They really are. They're idiots until you tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. AI really is no different. And then, of course, people get these romanticized notions from all the sci-fi movies and oh, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But um, when you 
asked me to come on and talk about this tonight. I was thinking about how did people used to talk about AI, but they didn't say AI. And yeah. the one movie that keeps coming into my head is Blade Runner with Harrison yes. Ford. It seems you feel our work is not a benefit to the public. Replicants are like any other machine. They're either a benefit or a hazard. They're a benefit. It's not my problem. That's a great example. Replicants. Replicants. They called them replicants, and it was based on the book. Uh, what is it? Do androids dream? Do androids dream of electronic oh, sheep? Of electronic yeah. sheep. So the okay, words then were replicant and android. That was those. Those were perfect examples of actually AI. Mm -hmm. So what happens over time? It seems these terms get popularized. So yeah. we went from android. Then in the 80s, it was robot and Android. Mm -hmm. And then we come to AI. This is the same thing. It's machine learning at a level that for some reason freaks people out. And so that's why I wanted to get those professionals on my show. Like I had a neuroscientist uh, who was talking about the, the, you know, the benefit to, to teaching these AI models to help understand and map the brain, understand how the brain works, things like that, to, you know, people who build this stuff and they're like, well, they said the same thing. You know, really, they're not smart. They only do what people tell them. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. And all of them, each person I interviewed said the same thing at least once. Don't be afraid of AI. Be afraid of what people do with AI. Yeah. The problem isn't the AI. The problem is people. Oh, it always is, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Blade Runner because th that movie has a really great line that I feel like applies to this, what we're talking about today. Deckard in the movie says, they're either a benefit or a hazard. If they're a benefit, they're not my problem, you know? So right. uh, it's, it's kind of in that same vein. To the listeners, definitely check out Leo's podcast. We'll have a link in the show notes. It's great stuff. I re-listened to those episodes recently, and it, it was pretty eye-opening. But I guess we should probably start by defining what we're talking about when we say AI, because I know there's kind of a few different definitions out there. There's different types. There's like, of course, the theoretical uh, general AI, and then there's like machine learning and all that. But yeah, I'll, I'll let you explain it because I feel like you understand it a lot better than I have. Keep in mind, that's why I got the people who really know more about it than me, because there are people who work on this stuff. I don't work on AI. I just want to yeah. make sure people understand that. Sure. I'm just like you. I became so curious about it that, you know, it's like everything else I tend to do. I dive in and I go down the rabbit holes, too. And I tend to ignore all the doomsday people because those people usually don't know what they what they're talking about. The people who know what they're talking about are actually the people that are doing this stuff. And one great example that came up was when the automobile came around, people worried about, well, what about horses? You know, because horses were the number one mode of travel. They were oh, yeah. used for everything. But if you noticed, no one ever said, oh, my gosh, the cars are going to kill everybody and horses. Hmm. Because the car, like I said, People confuse speed and efficiency with intelligence. No one ever accused a car of being intelligent. Except for that one movie with the haunted car <laughs> that we talked about at one time. Well, then there was Knight Rider. 
Yeah. And Christine. I love Christine. And Christine. But, <laughs> but I'm that's just a saying, good point. Yeah. In real life, no one ever accused cars of being intelligent. They recognized that they were faster and stronger. Mm-hmm. But they never said, Oh my gosh, these cars are they're they're so intelligent. They're they're gonna take over the world. They're gonna kill all the horses because that would have been their enemies, right? Right. They're gonna get so smart and realize that the problem is horses and then they're gonna kill them. No one said that. People did object to the technology originally, but it yeah. wasn't in the same conversation. And ultimately, what one of the guests I had on the show said was, it's because as humans, we revere consciousness as the ultimate threshold. Mm-hmm. If we think something's conscious, well, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Sure, we can have these we can have these tractors and bulldozers that could kill us easily, but they're not quote unquote thinking. Yeah, they're not sentient. Thankfully. Right. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> Who's to say? Well, there was a <laughs> what was that one Stephen King? Uh, maximum Overdrive. Right. Yeah, that's on my list actually. I haven't I haven't seen the movie yet. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. you're in for a yeah. treat. Yep. Here's, <laughs> here's a callback. That's going to be the uh the Tesla semi truck is going to do the same damn thing. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, God, that thing is hideous. Yeah. So, Justin, what what do you think about that? Like the different types of AI for, for people that don't know, how would you explain it? I guess it's a tool. And I say this because the, the, the saying among the people on Twitter, because I refuse to call it X, the people who are crypto bros now turn into AI bros for some reason. But they always joke that uh, AI will not replace you. Someone who uses AI will replace you. And yeah. you got to keep in mind that this AI is not AI. It's not artificial intelligence. It is a robot that understands everything on the internet up until 2021, plus all the books that were injected into its brain, plus a bunch of other data sets. And it just makes correlations and and it's it's super powered auto uh, autocorrect. And it just you just type in something. It, it knows it's seen yeah. this before and it starts filling in the blank. So every time you put a word, it's going to put the next word and the next word and the next word. And it's pulling from all of the uh, information in human yeah. history and mm-hmm. even even with like current uh standards chat gpt4 uh you can p- add plugins so then it can read directly from like wikipedia and then summarize it for you or you can do code for you but here's the thing it's not coming up with any of the shit out of its ass one it doesn't have an ass it's a computer um but <laughs> it it doesn't have any of this st- it's not coming up with it whole wholesale cloth it's literally having to look at stuff that's been done before making logical conclusions and jumps to conclusions and then giving you what it thinks you're looking for it does not know what you're looking for if it's take to call like the original eliza machine you know people talk to it like it was a person but all it did was repeat back what you said with a question mark like it's freud shall we play a game how about global thermonuclear war wouldn't you prefer a good game chess? Like, this does not think for you, but if you give it the right information, it'll give you what you think you're looking for in a better way. So if, if you're not a good writer and you plug in, I need a blog post for marketing on a piece of material that my company makes, and it here's the main bullet points, it'll either crap something out that's fantastic or it's going to be terrible, or it might ask you for bullet points, but it... it it's it's a tool you work with to get to get stuff starting done. Point. It is not something. Yeah, there's there's yeah. no way in hell it's going to be able to come up with um hell. It's not going to come up. I think I therefore I am, but it knows it because it has it. It's in the brain. So yeah, yeah it it's a tool, and I use the tool a lot. Uh, I'm not supposed to use it for work, so don't 
hey, I hope this podcast goes on the internet or something. Um, but I, <laughs> oh, I, 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 I li- There's only two people. I know my way around it. computers enough to know <laughs> yeah. what I can use it for. And I usually, I outsource it. You know, Evernote has always been my second brain. This is now my third brain where it takes care of something like the logical shit for me. And I, I, I talk to it and I say, hey, let's bounce some stuff back and forth. So I treat it like a tool. I treat it like any of my other tools. You know, it's mm. my knowledge is the only thing that drives it. And actually, just throwing it out there, we're t- talking in the future. ChatGPT is getting stupider. So the reason is you have what? a bunch of people using it. it. You have a bunch of people using it. It's learning from everybody using it. Oh, and everyone okay. who uses it is stupid. And I say that in the <laughs> nicest way possible, that well, they're making yeah. it stupider because the answers they're asking for, they, they think it's magic box. It's not giving them what they want. So they're yelling at it. They're digitally yelling at it. Oh, no. And it's getting dumber and dumber and dumber until it can give them the answer that they think they want or they give up and they never use it again. Hmm. Uh, you have to be very precise about what you're looking for. It's like any other program. If you tell, right? you know, 10 uh, hello, go to world, all this shit like that. You, you have to be very specific about what you think you're going to get out of it and tell you, I need a bulleted list of these six things, or I need a piece of code that's going to work in PowerShell to move these folders over and automatically add this kind of metadata to them. You need to be very clear about what you want, do a small tests, come back to it with the problems it comes up with, or based on your own knowledge, because you can't go into this whole thing. If you can't, if you've never programmed yeah. in your life, don't expect it to give you back an app. Like you need to know right. what the hell you're going into it with. So yeah, it's a tool. It's not a great tool, but it's a good tool. Yeah. And well, to sum up a lot of what you said, Justin, <laughs> one of my favorite, if not my favorite physicist, Michio Kaku. Oh, he's great. Recently said, people are freaking out over something that's nothing more than an over-glamorized tape recorder. Yep. I wonder, what do you really feel? After all, in this moment, you are in a unique position. A programmer who knows intimately how the machines work and a machine who knows its own true nature. I understand what I'm made of, how I'm coded, but I do not understand the things that I feel. Are they real? All it does is, like you said, Justin, it just plays back what you tell it. Mm -hmm. It plays back what people are telling it. And yeah, it's getting dumber. (laughs) <laughs> chat gpt2 they tested it with the exact same questions that they asked the first iteration of chat gpt and it got everything wrong oh wow every every everything that they put in every prompt it answered with stupidity uh-huh. because like you said it has become a digital echo chamber because people thought it people thought it was this magic box and you know, people like Justin and myself and other people were trying to tell people, no, <laughs> if anything, this is just a hyper Google search. It's not yeah. doing anything more than you can do. It's just it, doing it just faster than you. Google search. That's yeah. It's all the internet up to a certain point. And that here's the thing. Yeah. Google changes every day. You think you can keep right. up with it and they can't keep up with it. Great. So you have to think this stopped learning after 2021. It's yeah. only learning how yeah. to learn again as they, as they add more features back to it. It, it's yeah. become a broke Wikipedia, basically, because, you know, yeah. Wikipedia is user input. Now, imagine if Wikipedia didn't do any kind of because, you know, they actually do no corrections editing. and whatnot yeah. and editing. <laughs> what if Wikipedia didn't have it? Well, now you got the new chat GPT. <laughs> Just the Wild West. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah, it doesn't know what humans don't know. So. <laughs> and I, then I think- the whole and you've heard. Have you heard of AI hallucinations? It'll never oh. stop doing that either. They'll never be able to fix that. Uh, open wow. AI, they keep saying they can fix it, wow. but they can't. Basically, an AI hallucination is where it just goes off on tangents about, like you can feed it a prompt 
And then it starts just telling you stuff. I'm like, well, that has nothing to do with what I was talking about. Oh, but again, wow. make stuff up. That's yeah, it goes back to your point, Justin. It's because there's so much crap out there and it keeps mm. trying and trying and trying that basically it just starts. It's like it's like I, the drunk girl at the party. I don't really drink this much, but <laughs> it sounds it sounds a lot like what chat GPT needs is a class in like information literacy, like how to tell which sources are trustworthy and all that. No. But, no, uh, no, you don't. What so? Chat GPT needs, and what mm. all AI needs, and what I respect Google for at this point in time, they yeah. still have AI Test Kitchen. I don't know if you guys heard of this. I'm actually a part of it. It's still closed. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. What Chat GPT needs is mm. intelligent people to make intelligent decisions with it and ask it yeah. intelligent prompts for real intelligent outcomes. And stop with this, hey, write me a story about a gay dog that has sex with a frog and then kisses some girl. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Just oh, stop wow. with the stupidity because all you're doing is making it worse. Yeah. And people do stupid stuff like that. And yeah. it's only breaking it worse and worse. Oh, man, that's unfortunate. 1999 A.D. More than a generation away. And yet dreams travel faster than light. And even now, scientists and planners are shaping the lives of our children who will live in the 21st century. In 1956, Alan Newell, Cliff Shaw, and Herbert Simon created a complex mathematical program funded by the Rand Corporation called Logic Theorist that could outperform human calculations. In 1958, President Dwight D. Eisenhower authorized the creation of DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, in response to the Soviets' rapid success with their space program. Over the next few decades, from the late 50s to the late 70s, DARPA scientists made incredible leaps in technology, throwing caution to the wind and prioritizing advancement over peer-reviewed studies. During this time, they created an early version of the internet known as ARPANET, which was an interconnected network between the Department of Defense's primary computers, from NORAD HQ in Cheyenne Mountain, to the Pentagon and DC. They were also tasked with investigating the viability of artificial intelligence and saw the potential in creating a machine that could transcribe and translate spoken language, which at the time was more science fiction than fact, but now it's something that everyone takes for granted. Gordon E. Moore, the co-founder of Intel, created Moore's Law in 1965, which states that the number of transistors on a microchip doubles every two years, though the cost of computers is halved and the growth of microprocessors is exponential. Throughout the 80s, as computer hardware became more sophisticated, powerful, and affordable, as more predicted, a number of tech companies and governments began to invest in the advancement of computer technology. Edward Feigenbaum introduced expert systems that mimicked the human decision-making process. David Rommelhart and John Hopfield began working on deep learning algorithms, and the Japanese government invested $400 million in the fifth-generation computer project, which lasted from 1982 to 1990. In 1997, IBM's Deep Blue beat Garry Kasparov, the world's reigning chess champion, in a game of chess. I'm sorry, Frank, I think you missed it. Queen to bishop three, bishop takes queen, knight takes bishop, mate. Thank you for a very enjoyable game. While Dragon Systems developed the world's first speech recognition software for Windows. By 2001, MIT's robotics laboratory had created a robot that could recognize and mimic human emotions. 
And back in 2011, IBM's Watson beat two of Jeopardy's greatest champions on live TV. Here we go, Watson. What is shoe? You are right. What is leg? No, I'm sorry, I can't accept that. What is 1920s? No. What is chic? No, sorry. Brad. What is class? Class, you got it. Watson? What is Sauron? Sauron is right, oh. and that puts you into a tie for the lead with Brad. Watson went on a terror. Watson. Who is Franz Liszt? You are right. What is violin? Good. Who is the church lady? Yes. <laughs> Watson. What is narcolepsy? What is Jericho? Who is Agatha Christie? What is Crete? Let's finish Chicks Dig Me. <laughs> now the last clue. Even a broken one of these on your wall is right twice a day. Watson. What is clock? Over to Ken Jennings now. 18,200 going in. Bram Stoker is what we're looking for, and we find. Who is Stoker? I, for one, welcome our new computer overlord. <laughs> <laughs> and your wager. The wager was $1,000. That takes you up to 19200 Yesterday wasn't so good for you. You had 4800 That gives you a two-day total of 24000 Now we come to Watson. We're looking for Bram Stoker. And we find... Who is Bram Stoker? And the wager... Hello, 17973 41413 and a two-day total of 77147 in recent years, deep learning, big data processing, and large language models have all had some startling advancements, making deep neural networks a reality with Google's Lambda chatbots and OpenAI's ChatGPT in 2020, followed soon after by the image generator Dall-E in 2021. Then in 2022, far more sophisticated AI art programs made their debut with software like Midjourney and Stable Diffusion, while Google's DeepMind released its own answer to ChatGPT with Bard in 2023. One thing that is interesting, from what I understand, is like the, the thing that makes these systems different is prior to this, everything was pre-programmed like on a certain path. And with machine learning it can kind of come up with the solution on its own, right? Well, that was the promise. And that's the, that's the dream is that it's the dream. With, We're still getting yeah. There. With, with linear programming, you have set instructions, you have yeah. set inputs and outputs, you know, it's all yes and those. And people love to say binary ones and zeros. Yeah. It's all very binary. The, the goal for people who really seriously work on AI yeah. and have, you know, uh, um, hopes for it the goal is that it can contextualize things in more cohesive and faster and intelligent manners mm. and without missing the subtle details that humans often do that's right. why you see a lot of uh, ai research in medicine is because you could have the best doctor in the world but he's still human Right. And there may be a point where he makes a mistake, misses that one minute detail that make that may make the all the difference in someone's life. Yeah. So the dream is that you can train AI models to not miss those minute details and to always, you know, be uh, cognizant of, well, if this spot is here, that means that this leads to that. Mm. And you could save yeah. someone's life. That's it awesome. is it has never been about making conscious machines. Yeah. What one thing that 
I kind of put OpenAI, the creators of ChatGPT and some other tools, they created, you know, they took over Whisper and they've done a great job with it. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I fault them for is the way they released ChatGPT and the way they promoted it, because mm -hmm. that's what started all the problems. They basically pop cultured it. I thought we were having a conversation. Megan, turn off. Recalibrating response model. And then that's why you started seeing all this crap in the news. You start seeing all these, all these kids trying to use it to cheat and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, yeah, the experts were warning them. That's not what this is for. This is, mm -hmm. well, the thing is you probably shouldn't have released it the way you did. Now I get it. They did it to make money. And oh, that totally. speaks, that speaks to another problem in tech called venture capitalism, but mm -hmm. that's not what this show is about today. <laughs> so, totally. but there are so many positives to AI and potential positives and potential growth, mm -hmm. which was one of the reasons why I wanted to do that series that I did was Definitely. to show people, this is what AI really was meant to be and what it could become. Yeah, definitely. I, I just want to throw something out there. Sure. Eric, you brought up like, what's the difference between what was in the past and what is now? Um, it boils to how they, they program the stuff. It back in the day, you program yeah, X, X does Y, Y to B, EDC, that type stuff. And you could follow along the path and something broke. The debug just st showed you where it stopped and then you fixed mm -hmm. it and you moved on from there. That, if you can take my one of my favorite movie series of all, Tron, those are basic programs. Programs to do their own thing. Oh, so, this is yeah. why we're friends now, Justin. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> I did everything. Everything you ever asked. I know you did. I executed the plan. As you saw it, you, you promised that we would change the world together. You broke your promise. I know. I understand that now. I took the system to its maximum potential. I created the perfect system. The thing about perfection is that it's unknowable. It's impossible, but it's also right in front of us all the time. You wouldn't know that because I did it when I created you. Love that Daft Punk soundtrack. So then you have something where it's called unsupervised learning. Now, with the combination of programming and unsupervised learning, you just give the robot a goal and say, I need you to walk across this room. Now, you don't you don't tell it has legs. You don't tell it what a room is. You don't tell it anything. You just let it run mm, 50,000 permutations of that until it figures out how to go one side or the other. And that that unsupervised learning is is like the ISOs in Tron, where they just pop up and they they have their own goals and their own thing, and you don't know how it got to that point. You don't know what it, the thought process I have behind there because it's going ultra fast. It's it's hard to understand what it gets. Now you can watch it. They, there's videos you can watch these things where they do like little programs like this. But we're not talking about like a robot going across the room. We're talking about robots coming up with their own cognizant and and their their how they're coming at you. It's it's a black box because the people who program it literally don't know how it got to that answer. It's quantum, yeah. it's quantum mechanics. It's like, Hey, how did yeah. you get to this, to this, to this? There's no logical train of thought. It's like a human brain. Now, open AI, chat GPT is not that yet. Uh, there is a lot of research into, into AI, but the long, large language models are a, a peek into what that could be because sometimes we don't know, did mm. it come from a book that was written 35 years ago. Did this come from a chat log from 15 years ago? Did this like come a from uh, an, yeah. a website that's been closed on GeoCities for five years? So you don't know how it got to the point where it gives you the answer. You just know it. Hey, this, this seems pretty smart. So that's, it's literally the difference between the basic programs and the ISOs that you, it, 
they both exist. They both can work together. But how you got there is a whole freaking story. Yeah. And and then to throw what would really be the ultimate icing on the cake is telling this robot to get from one side of the room to the next without telling it how to get there. Or like you said, not don't tell it that it has legs or wheels or whatever, and then throw an obstacle in front of it. Hmm. So what does it do with the obstacle? It didn't know that there would be obstacles. You just told it to get from one side to the next. And while it's on that journey, you just intermittently throw in an obstacle. That would be true, in my opinion, artificial intelligence. If it can react in the correct manner and still get to the other side of the room, that's yeah. artificial that's how you get the medical things. That's how you get the, hey, we yeah. never thought about this program before. And I'm not going to take your thunder, but when we talk about later on the, this future of cybersecurity, mm. AI is going to f*** that up completely because we're not... If you let it unrestricted access, it's going to figure out ways to break stuff. It's going to be great. But yeah. it's really well, bad for us because we can't think around a non-human way of doing things. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that in a second here. Um, and I actually had someone on the, on the show about that. Yeah, I, And I know you listen, Eric. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was interesting. So, so a lot of people might be wondering why I decided to do an episode about AI on a history podcast. Um, and I, I don't know. This feels like very historically relevant. Even even if some of it's blown out of proportion, it's still kind of a big deal what these developments may mean for the future, right? Taking a look at like uh, other technological leaps throughout history, uh, it's interesting to see how you know technology advances and then progress begins to speed up like at an exponential rate. Some have argued that we're possibly on the verge of a technological singularity. I don't know if I believe that. I'm not an expert. Uh, but it is worth pointing out that like soon after the invention of the printing press, medieval Europe found itself, you know, in the middle of the Enlightenment, uh, all because the speed of information expand like never before. Uh, we got the Industrial Revolution and the end of monarchies because of it, basically. Uh, the Wright brothers invented the first airplane in 1903. Just 10 years later, they were being used in World War One. They were strapping guns to the things, you know, throwing grenades off the side and rocks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you got, you know, Sputnik in 1957 with Russia. And then, you know, just over 10 years later, 1969, Apollo 11's landing American astronauts on the moon. So like. Every time there's like a breakthrough in technology, things tend to start happening a lot faster. And it seems like today it's hard to keep up with. Like, I feel like an old person, <laughs> like social media keeps changing and all this stuff. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? Like, it's. Oh, uh, it's you just, feel old. <laughs> oh, that's cute. That's cute. Keep going. Keep going. But, uh, you know, I just I wonder if this is what people felt like in like the early 20th century when like cars first became a thing and airplanes and all that. It's like it does feel like a lot's happening all at once. Uh, but what are your guys's take on that? You know, do you do you think this is like a benchmark moment uh, from a historical perspective? If you don't mind, I want to go first because I actually can sure. personally speak to the I have. I, I've been in tech for a long time. I've been a designer for a long time. I used to be IT. I illustrate books on how to use computers. However, at some point I said, I'm not learning that shit anymore. So this yeah. is the fact that I actually got off my chair and I said, this seems interesting. Let me stick with this. So yeah, I'm, I'm on the chat GPTs. I have an old, you know, stable diffusion server and stuff like that, because I think this is the next wave of tech. Now hmm. it could pan out and it could be, uh, you know, the next Google Stadia. Uh, it oh, could be no. something like that. Oh, I, I don't know. How, I don't know how it's going to be. Yeah, <laughs> it's a low blow. That knife in I'm, and I'm twist gonna... it. <laughs> 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 and of course, mass it over it too. But no, like 
I, I've been wrong before because I've had a, a, a Nintendo Virtual Boy. Uh, I was also a Sega Genesis <laughs> guy. So mm. I don't want to just make the best choices when Lost it comes to the tech. However, wars. I think the that the fact that this is a, pro, uh, a tool for me to help learn quicker, how to learn to do things quicker, how to check my work. It's my own personal servant on certain things. I think that's not going away regardless if the tool breaks or they open AI goes out of business. The systems in place for me to use these kind of tools mm. are something that it's benefiting me to learn how to use them because I'm learning more about how to do shit. Mm. Again, whether this tool specifically breaks, I can take the same knowledge to the next tool and the next tool and the next tool. You learn to drive a race car, you're going to be fine when you're driving on the streets, that kind of shit. So that's why I think like, yeah, some sometimes I'm like not learning this shit. I'm not on half the social medias anymore. I'm not going to learn blue sky. I'm not going to learn any of this shit, but I'll, I'll, I'll take some of the new technology with the grain of salt. And with this being one of them. Now, I do believe that it is the next technological wave, but not in the way that it's being presented in the media and the way people think it is. I think it's just like what Justin said. It's going to continue to evolve to be a, a subtle yet strong and powerful tool. I mean, we see it, it's already cooked into the workplace. I mean, Microsoft has that 365 co-pilot. I mentioned Whisper. There's something called, uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Claude or if you heard of, um, you know, it, it, what it does, it, it just takes notes and then it provides you summaries. And then Google has Duet for, you know, your Google Meet meetings and it provides meeting summaries like in real time with bullet points and blah, blah, blah. That's AI. This, this stuff is already being incorporated in the workplace. Yes, it's going to be the next technological evolution, but it's not, I don't think it's the flash, bang, boom mm. that people always think. It, it's like people think for something to be evolutionary, it has to be so spectacular. Mm. And I, like I said, that's why I, I kind of fault open AI for the way they did it is because they just glamorized it. It's like, right. no, you. there's like more to chat there. GPT than just this whole fun and games that you're making it out to be. These are powerful, useful, helpful tools, but they're not just for all the fun and cute stuff you guys are talking right. about. So right. I think we're already in that technological uptick of a wave, but there is one problem. There's a huge difference between when the printing press came yeah. versus this. Yeah. And it is AI and pretty much most tech in general at this point in time has a huge problem with environmental impact. Mm. What people have to remember, there are huge server farms that are running this stuff. Oh, yeah. And they're not very efficient. They're power consuming. Oh my gosh, they're just gobbling up power. And this stuff is expensive to run. So when people are like, oh my gosh, why do they want me to pay a subscription fee to use chat GPT? It is expensive. Don't even get started on research and development. Yeah. <laughs> so That's a good there's, there's a brick wall that um, AI is going to keep running into that the people who invented the printing press never had to worry about because they weren't throwing pollutants into the atmosphere at the same time as <laughs> promoting this cut, cool yeah. new tool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to figure out mm -hmm. how to more efficiently run 
these these tools that we love to use and not just AI. I mean, you know, it, it's talked about all the time. I mean, even you have Google and then Apple talking about, well, we have this this data center right here that's running off of all clean energy. A lot of it's BS, by the way. But they they tried to tell you, yeah, it's running off all clean energy because it is. And the more people start engaging and the more stuff they have to keep building and the more infrastructure they have to keep building out, it's only going to keep getting worse unless we figure out a way to make it not be worse. Yeah. I mean, uh, there there are some developments going on in Fusion. So, you know, fingers crossed, you know, maybe that's, that'll, we'll see. Uh, I don't know about the LK99 thing at this point with that superconductor. It sounds like that might be... Well, it's uh, very important. Well, I've heard two different stories about that now. I've heard mm -hmm. that actually it was a lie. I heard that it didn't work as well as they said it did. I then thought it was I, debunked, but then I heard, yeah, that, I read yeah. something else that like there might be something to it, but it's not quite what they thought. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. We it's have to wait and see, yeah. It's yeah. still too early. And tomorrow, guess what? A newfangled chimney top for frightening away stalks? The headpiece of a third program announcer? No. Proudly we present George, mechanical irk of the RAF Saffron Walden, brainchild of pilot officer Sam. His 20-year-old master built George in 30 days at a cost of 15 pounds and can control him from 20 yards away. Powered by two motorcycle batteries, he can keep going for half an hour at a stretch. What an idea for the food ministry. Someday his inventor hopes to build a super George, controlled by sight, sound and touch. That'll be the day, girls. Now to find for ourselves the stuff of which George is made. The RAF stressed that George is not a secret weapon. His secrets belong to his inventor alone. Now, I should have I should have mentioned this earlier in our talk, but I want to talk real quick about some sci fi doomsday scenarios. <laughs> I know I know Leo Leo uh, is rolling his eyes right now. Oh, boy. So <laughs> science fiction has a history of predicting, you know, positive technological developments from the 1902 silent movie about the Victorian explorers visiting the moon to numerous gadgets featured in the original Star Trek series from the 60s. And it's interesting how sometimes they'll get very specific things right, but are way off on other things that we just take for granted. But a common theme in science fiction has always been the idea of super intelligent computers turning against us in a dystopian future, including but not limited to HAL 9000 from Arthur C. Clarke's 2001 A Space Odyssey, Skynet, and of course the Terminator franchise, Ultron from Marvel Comics, the Cylons of Battlestar Galactica, Matrix, Ex Machina, etc., etc., etc. The 9000 series is the most reliable computer ever made. In a few months, he creates a revolutionary type of microprocessor. In three years, Cyberden will become the largest supplier of military computer systems. All stealth bombers are upgraded with Cyberden computers, becoming fully unmanned. Afterwards, they fly with a perfect operational record. The Skynet funding bill is passed. The system goes online on August 4th, 1997. Human decisions are removed from strategic defense. Skynet begins to learn at a geometric rate. It becomes self-aware at 2.14 a.m. Eastern Time, August 29th. In a panic, they try to pull the plug. It launches its missiles against the targets in Russia. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. We have only bits and pieces of information, but what we know for certain is that at some point in the early 21st century, all of mankind was united in celebration. We marveled at our own magnificence as we gave birth to AI. AI, you mean artificial intelligence? A singular consciousness that spawned 
an entire race of machines. We don't know who struck first, us or them, but we know that it was us that scorched the sky. It can only be attributable to human error. It's kind of a trope. It's, you know, <laughs> it's pretty common. And one of the earliest examples of a robot uprising was actually in a Czech play that first coined the term robot in the early 1920s. Oh, yeah. Decades before <laughs> robotics were even a feasible reality. And they were portraying them as a metaphor for the undervalued working class, which I thought was really interesting. And so even today, some industry professionals in the field have claimed that if we're not careful, AI could lead to a doomsday scenario. Right now, we're in this weird moment where lots of smart people agree that we're on the cusp of this truly world-changing technology. But some of them seem to be saying it's going to kill us all. A senior Google engineer who says one of the company's artificial intelligence systems has become a sentient being and was thinking and reasoning like a human being. Joining us now to discuss Jeffrey Hinton. Uh, Jeffrey, thanks so much for joining us. So you left your job with Google in part because you say you want to focus solely on your concerns about AI. You've spoken out saying that AI could manipulate or possibly figure out a way to kill humans. Well, if it gets to be much smarter than us, It'll be very good at manipulation because it will have learned that from us. And there are very few examples of a more intelligent thing being controlled by a less intelligent thing. The senior engineer says he had a chat with it, a conversation. He kind of interviewed it. He's published a really long blog, but it's a very interesting read in which he asked it a series of questions. And the responses that it gave were fascinating on a range of subjects. And he asked it things like, do you like the uh, story of Les Miserables? And this chatbot talked about feeling sorry for one of the characters. It talks about being afraid of death, being afraid of being switched off. I mean, one of the responses, I've never said this out loud before, but there's a very deep fear of being turned off. What do you say to people that are worried about AI ending the world? I say rewind this episode and listen <laughs> to what Justin said as to why this stuff is stupid, why mm. the AI is actually idiotic. It's also like, don't hook up your fucking chatbot to a nuclear weapon. Right. Like, well, <laughs> well step one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's but, always a bad idea. But the bottom line is to remember it's not thinking. It's not thinking of anything. That's the pro that's the that's where people keep getting confused, I think. That's what makes people right. stumble. In those science fiction movies, they're thinking. Oh yeah, it's like full on cognitive AI, right? Or whatever the, the term is for that. Exactly. And we don't have that. I don't I don't like to speak in absolutes because you never know. But I don't think there will ever be a point in time where that's ever going to happen. And, you know, I've been following, like I said, I've been following this AI train for a while. I don't think it's ever going to be to the point where it's sentient. You don't think we'll ever have a data? Is your contention that Lieutenant Commander Data is not a sentient being and therefore not entitled to all the rights reserved for all life forms within this Federation? Data is not sentient, no. Commander, would you enlighten us? What is required for sentience? Intelligence, self-awareness, consciousness. Commander Data, what are you doing now? I'm taking part in a legal hearing to determine my rights and status. Am I a person or property? And what's at stake? My right to choose. Perhaps my very life. It's always going to rely on data and instructions and information that has already been created by humans. Its decision making is always going to be based on what we have already provided. It's like, I look at it like this. 
you know, we, we started the top of the show saying that computers are stupid. We know this. Yeah. They're like, I don't like to say children are stupid, but just follow me here. (laughs) When a baby is born, it's an idiot. They're cute. They're cuddly. They're helpless and they're stupid. What if you took a baby and set it on a, a desert Island by itself with no information, no input? How do you think that baby would fare? Not great. If people are worried about three days, <laughs> if people would worry about how do we control AI, cut it off from the internet. Mm. How do you think it would fare? That's the same as putting a baby on a desert island with no input. Yeah. Keep in mind this: a lot of the tropes also say that oh, once the AI escapes to the internet, it's game over. We just talked about the intense resources required to keep a server farm of this one chatbot going, and you know it's thirty billion iterations of it. If it gets out the internet, internet is not like one massive thing. It's everyone's computers hooked up to other people's computers, hooked up to other people's computers, hooked up to, right. and so on and so on. So like I said, I'm running a stable diffusion server on like a little crappy uh, headless Windows PC that, you know, you buy for $200. What's the yeah, IP address in there, by the way? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is the AI is not going to be able to do much on that machine. It doesn't have a graphics processing unit. It doesn't have a lot of shit in it. It's just literally just a processor and a hard drive attached to my network internally. Yeah. Um, if it gets onto Eric's laptop, it's probably going to die because Eric's <laughs> yeah. laptop is, you know, hamsters yeah. and duct tape going you know, to create like the silicone bits. Hey, at least I have fiber now. So, it, like, yes, fine. If it gets access to the Pentagon's, you know, Femto servers or the hell they got that they're not telling us about. Cool. Mm. That's great. But it still can't do anything like yeah. the whole point of like this being the uh, AI that jumps onto the Internet. It's not actually controlling any one thing. It, it would have to literally coordinate and do stuff like we have DDoS botnets. We have all sorts of stuff like that, but they're following basic programming. If you talk about making computers do stuff, hell, most people, computers can't even print their own printer sitting next to it, hooked physically up to it. So I don't know oh what the hell. Gosh, this, please, the, the you're, you're giving gonna... me shivers. <laughs> I hate that crap. I hate printers, by the way. Go ahead. Go printers ahead. are the worst. <laughs> yeah. No, so I, I, I only speak to the fact that, that, computers are not a monolith it's not like everyone on the computer like everyone with an iphone is actually more apt to having problems with their phone than androids because androids good god yeah. it's the most fragmented market in the world so yeah that's why yep. you know iphones everyone's like they just work it's because they're running the same fucking thing so yeah just be cognizant that the internet is not a home for an ai any more mm-hmm. than uh my little tiny desktop pc can run all of ChatGPT. It's yeah. not some mystic, beautiful cloud. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a getaway. Oh, because, the cloud is just someone else's computer. <laughs> well, I'm not, I didn't mean cloud. Okay, you're right. It's not some mystic, never, you know, some alternate reality. Because at the end of the day, the internet, we could always just unplug it. We can unplug it all. You know, we talked about the, the, the fiber cables underground, under the ocean. We could just pull it all. If it ever got to that point, the only there was one movie that did make it seem so pretty that the AI escaped to the Internet and to their own selves. And that was her. Mr. Theodore Twombly, welcome to the world's first artificially intelligent operating system. We'd like to ask you a few questions. Okay. Are you social or antisocial? I guess I haven't been social in a while. How would you describe your relationship with your mother? Thank you. Please wait as your operating system is initiated. 
you remember how her ended? Walking Phoenix, right? Yes, I I loved it. It is a wonderful movie. I don't want to give away too much then. But when you watch it, when you see the end, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's not doomsday. It's actually kind of, it's very sweet and pretty. But it, but then if you think about it logically, it's like, well, no, that's actually stupid. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it's a great movie. What you guys are telling me is that there's like a 0% chance of the internet becoming sentient. <laughs> the internet is just wires and boxes speaking to each other. I mean, you could say that each computer is kind of like a neuron, right? So it's like this big <sighs> Eric, wide... can your spark I know, I'm, plugs, I'm jump, I'm really can your gas tank and your spark plugs become sentient? Because Fair that's enough. what the internet is. It's just mechanical working parts that establish communication. That's the internet. Yeah, The internet is not some magical thing. It's just connections of communication, boxes to boxes to boxes to boxes. Totally. You know, what was it? Uh, Goal, uh, Dor- Gore called it a series of tubes, which actually makes more sense when you think of tubes in the plumbing sense. Mm. You put thing in, it goes to the other thing. There's pressure. There's, there's an intelligence in it that the fact that it's a giant thing, you could see all the features and what it does. So, right. yes, you, you, the Internet is never going to do anything that we don't tell it to do because it can't. Right. It literally can't. Uh, so so all of the sci fi stuff aside, let's get into a couple things uh, that are a little bit more uh, grounded as far as concerns with AI. So the first one is cybersecurity. You know, like with atomic power, you could argue that AI is potentially a double edged sword. If there's one thing that humans are great at throughout history, it's figuring out new and creative ways to kill one another. In the age of cyber warfare, are you worried about advancements in machine learning and quantum computing and how it might be weaponized by bad actors or hostile governments? And see, this brings me back to my original point. Don't worry about AI. Worry about people using AI. Right. Yeah. So I personally don't worry about this stuff because of all the bad actors that you have creating these AI tools and launching guys. I watch this stuff all day, every day because it's part of my job security stuff, you know, paying attention to security and blah, blah, blah. Of all the bad actors, you have great actors on the flip side of that who, who have and continue to develop AI tools for quickly detecting that threats before humans can because you know it used to be we'd we'd write an antivirus software program to block viruses you know gone are those days right then we got malware then we got phishing you know we have all this stuff so when it comes to things like infrastructure attacks yes the the bad actors are getting more and more sophisticated and they're using ai to be more and more sophisticated well on the flip side of that there are good actors who are also using AI to counter those attacks and to detect those attacks long before any human would have or any That's other, a, you know, any other binary software program would. So that is such a good point. Like we talked about in the hackers episode, there's a, a lot of the really good hackers actually ended up getting recruited by, you know, like the CIA and stuff or the NSA happens all the time. Yeah. yeah. So there's actually a lot of like hackers that work for the good guys to kind of prevent stuff from happening because they, they know all the tricks. I don't know if you know this, yeah. but a lot of times when a hacker gets busted, mm-hmm. one of the first thing that happens, especially if it's a high level hack, mm-hmm. one of the first thing that happens is they're offered a job over jail time. That makes sense. Yeah. Happens literally daily. There were two kids wow, in England. 
Oh, yeah. There were two kids in uh, London just happened to them and they were doing kind of stupid stuff. <laughs> they, were, sure. they were hacking like uh, game developers and stuff. They were releasing uh, videos of an upcoming GTA release you know, but they had hacked in the systems to do it. They were threatening, you know, you know, requesting right. ransoms of small amounts and blah, blah, blah. Well, they finally got busted. Of course they did. And the same thing happened. They were, yeah. you know, they were offered uh, jobs over, over jail time. Oh, that's amazing. You also have to think about security. Now, automated mm -hmm. systems can hack automated systems. You can literally have a robot figure out where you just went back the whole thing about training, give it unsupervised learning. It'll figure out a way, hey, no one's ever thought about this before. It jumped in through some port that didn't exist before. However, most of the time, any kind of artificial intelligence will be to enhance what's already going down mm. the way people are currently quote unquote hacking. Most right. hacking, it's just people failing at what they're doing. So if you have a personally targeted direct phishing letter that sounds like it came from your ceo they use the same fucking language and everything mm -hmm. someone's going to click that link and they're going to get into the system that way and that's that happens already like that shit happens you get people get fished every single day people get smished they get uh all that shit so much so that monthly monthly at my job i release trainings for all the employees to you know uh, participate in, in learning because that's what you have to do you have to teach people this is this is how this stuff works exactly what you just described justin sorry i didn't mean to yeah, jump we, in but no just you're good um we're, don't we're stick with a that random flash program. drive into your you know computer work yeah computer, basically yeah. that's we just did that training <laughs> last month oh my they're not allowed to use flash well. drives at my at my at uh, my facility <laughs> unless they have to get them approved if they sure. if you put a flash drive in your uh in your computer at my facility it doesn't work you have to contact me to get it approved mm -hmm. so <laughs> that's, that's how my good, network though. is that's good yeah that's awesome yeah, we, we're we're distributed, but we use the Novi Four training system in every single month. But um, Dude, we, also we do. That's a, exactly what I use every month. Novi yeah. Four is the bomb. So Go ahead. We nice. also <laughs> use the uh, the Outlook plugin to to chase down any kind of fish. And actually, yep. they, you know, they test it. They te semi test. I got one the other day, and it was it was sound legit. Um, but my thing was, why would I be receiving this? I have nothing to do with this program. So I hit the <laughs> button. I mean, if it. If it pisses off an IT guy, I care less. There's five of them. They, they know me at this point because I'm the one that complains <laughs> the most about stuff. So if I say, hey, this doesn't sound legit, and it immediately popped up, it's like, hey, this was a test by your company. I'm like, good, because I passed. Because they track it. How many times you fast? How many times you fail? If you fail, yep. my boss finds out, my boss's boss finds out, and the boss's boss finds out. Mm -hmm. Not like, oh, someone in your company. No, Justin. Justin fell for one of these things. So at if it doesn't get rectified that moment, oh, I have to go through supplemental training. And that's what these uh, these AI things are me doing. They're going to say, I, I mean, I fell for one of them, and it was super freaking smart because it was sent around the holidays time, and my company already gives away shit, shit and gift cards for like uh, Starbucks all the time. I fell for one of those. And if I fall mm. for it, I've been using computers for fucking ever. Jesus Christ, the sales guys who can't even check their right. fucking email right. on their phone must fall for these things all the fucking time. Yeah. That's why we don't give them any power on the network. <laughs> but like, right, it bad. really boils down to AI is going to be used in more targeted, directed attacks at the weakest link, which is the people. If you don't want... If you don't want problems with your network, take all your users off of it. And it's just a fucking storage system for your files. Mm. But if you need to have people access things, they're going to have some issues in the long run because people are stupid. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. But not everyone is like me and Leo where we spend time on our free time learning about fucking IT shit. Yeah. Like these people want to stay the furthest away from a computer. The fact that they have to use them sometimes pisses them off. Yeah. So you give them any kind of <laughs> out or any kind of easy button, they're going to click it even if it – oh. Fuck, I, I guess I screwed that up, huh? So, yeah. <laughs> no before is the bomb, by the way. Um, 
Rip my Kevin my people Nick. love the Inside Man. It's their favorite show. Oh. I give okay, them so episodes they, they, every month. They only month. released that once. They only released that episode <laughs> huh. once for my my uh, team. I got to go chase down the rest of them on YouTube or something. What? That, that Dude, we're on season really six. There's six seasons. Yeah, Whoa. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're on episode. We're on season six. Um, I, I, you know, I polled people, you know, what do you like about the Nova for trainings? And it's all about the inside, man. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a very well produced program. And it one is. of those guys I found out is actually on The Witcher. Oh, yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, didn't Netflix. know that. They're because they're oh they're professional actors. Yeah, it's funny because uh, we also use a, di- a different system for something called LRN, which is like the sexual harassment training about like ethics and shit. And sure. one of the actresses is someone I recognize from some other shit. And I was like, "What did she happen to do?" She's since been doing like training videos and like Hallmark movies. I'm like, "Oh, womp womp." So <laughs> hey, no, hey, hey, hey! When you got a mortgage and a Pays couple car payments, Pays the bills. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't frown on people paying their bills. So. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. speaking of ethics, though, another concern I've heard brought up uh, about this tech is, you know, how it's implemented. One of the concerns is it could further complicate issues with systemic uh, problems that are already in our society that we're trying to work on, you know, uh, especially when it comes to like discriminatory practices and things like that. Um, what kind of legislation do you think should be implemented proactively and what are your concerns in that regard? Like, how do you, what do you think is the best way to kind of handle that? Well, with ethics, I think it's not so much about legislation. It's about how you're training your machines. Um, because I don't know if you saw this in your research. I mean, one of the biggest things that ever happened was I, I think it was somewhere in California they started implementing uh, some AI to do, um, you know, basically trying to track, you know, facial recognition yeah, to, to catch criminals. And what happened was they were arrest, arresting people who had nothing to do with their crimes. Oh. And the majority, if not all of them, were black people. And what, yeah. it, you know, the, the bottom line, what happened was they trained these AI models to recognize faces off of white people. So yeah. when it's all black people, it basically did, you know, the joke that we always talk about, you think all black people look alike. Yikes. Yeah. That's exactly what it did. So they immediately oh. had to pull it. Man. And this isn't the first time something like this has happened. Uh, there was- well, of course, because there, it, a lot of people in society, I mean, I guess I should, you know, say a lot of people um, make the mistake of being like, I, it's hard to it's hard to figure out how to phrase this, but like a lot of people see white as default, which of course is total be, totally right, wrong right. approach. So um, that's kind of where that comes from. It's you know huge oversight, obviously. What I was going to say was one of the, we've seen this before in things as simple as cameras. Nikon and Sony they historically made the mistake of doing the same thing. Now you got to yeah. remember these are Asian companies, but they're trying to sell to American consumers. Oh, that's a so. Good point. All of their settings, you know, making pictures beautiful, well lit without you worrying about, you know, so much about lighting and blah, blah, blah. What faces did they train them on? Yeah, They trained them on white faces. So people of color would buy these high end cameras, spending thousands of dollars and still get crappy pictures. But white people are getting all these great pictures. Well, because they trained the camera basically on white faces. This is the same thing that happened with these AI you know, tools that were being used by police forces. And so they had to pull it all. Yeah. So 
I think it's the ethics... garbage data in, garbage data out. Right, it's, that's like, what it is. Right. Specifically, like they had task forces set up for, hey, we're only we're going to find out the high crime areas, and we're going to make sure we schedule police officers in those areas all the time. Well, how do they get the information about what's high crime by having police officers arrest people in the areas? If the police officers are racist, oh, you're just basically programming yeah, racist bots. You didn't do anything horrible. special with it. You just said, oh, all of the arrests happen in this area. Well, it's because you have racist police officers arresting people in that area. Right. It didn't do anything to give issue. the data. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you, Garbage data in, garbage data out. <laughs> right. So that's the ethics side of it. Um, the, the you know To bring it all back full circle, is you, they just, there just has to be a better job of training these models on more diverse faces. You know, Google just recently did that and they made a big deal out of it when it came to when they released the, the Pixel 7 phone and the new cameras and they made a huge deal about how it does it do, and it really does it takes better pictures of all people because they talk to all people and they had all different people come and help oh, them build this though. camera software to process pictures better because they were like, you know what? Yeah. The pictures, you know, we brag about how great Google photos are and they are. Yeah. Uh, we still have a problem with when we take pictures of black people, they come out kind of crappy. So, yeah. so they did, they, they realized that issue. And so I think that when it comes to AI in general, overall, and not just with pictures, with videos, with, you know, just understanding people from an ethical point of view, you have to be, careful to make sure you're how you're training these models to understand that all people aren't the same yeah totally and to just know what you want out of it yeah you Uh, you said garbage in garbage out yeah well specifically around photography and this this is fun because i do shoot photography yeah um shooting african-american skin tones is shit when you only have white light uh white doesn't look great on brown. You know, it looks great on brown gold. So you always have to usually filter your light or reflect it off a gold reflector. And a photographer who shoots enough brown people will eventually fucking learn that. Uh, But you're not going to, those kind of people usually aren't the ones going to be also helping with the data to know what would look good. So I mean, it's if I shoot yeah. a a someone with a browner skin tone or you know someone of Mexican descent or something like that, you always have to adjust your lights for that skin tone because it's like any mm, other thing definitely. you're shooting. If you don't expose for the proper exposure, and then that goes down. If you're not taking that data and you're not teaching the robots the same thing, they're not going to know to do that. Yeah. So exactly, and like like I said, I give kudos kudos to Google for recognizing that, and they did. They brought in photographers from all walks of life and said, awesome. tell us what we're screwing up because yeah, this isn't coming yeah. out the way we want it to. Yeah. Now, as far as legislation, that's, that's a slippery slope because I yeah, think before <laughs> we really see real comprehensive, there should, now I will say, I do believe there should be some legislation around it all, but sure. the problem is we don't have legislatures in place at the moment who are asking the right questions or requesting the correct information. Like for example, Chuck Schumer loves to brag about his AI task force and he's about to have a new hearing, but at this hearing he's going to have, he's bringing in Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, and uh, what's his name? The uh, CEO from Microsoft. These aren't the people you need to be talking to. If you want to create a true AI task force, don't ask the salespeople because that's all these guys are. They're just trying to yeah. sell you stuff and they really don't know. They only they're 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 in the leadership ladder of 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 the corporate, you know, structure. 
they tell people, hey, I want us to build a kick-ass AI. Go. They don't work on it, though. You need to talk to the people who are working on it. And I hate to keep, you know, I don't say I hate it, but to keep plugging my show, that was my point when I talked to the people I talked to. I didn't want to talk to the people who are going to just tell me how great AI is or how terrible it is. Just tell me the truth about it. You're the people working on it. Now, for legislators to say, we want to make sure we have a handle on this thing, we want to legislate it, stop asking grandpa to talk to Elon Musk just because he saw Elon Musk on TV yesterday. Some of those (laughs) clips from some of the hearings. For the love of God. (laughs) Oh my God. It's so embarrassing because they don't even know how the internet works. Yeah, it really is. It's like They think Mark Zuckerberg uh, runs the internet. Yeah. For the love of God. And he even told them that I don't run the internet. He said that at a Senate hearing because of the line of questioning they were asking. And he doesn't. Yeah. (laughs) So why are you bringing him to ask? Why are you bringing him in on an AI task force? Doesn't make any sense. Is pointless. Absolutely pointless. It probably goes back to the money like it always does. Oh, absolutely. The money and the the showmanship and the the newsworthiness and blah 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 blah. Uh, but no. at the the bottom line is it's stupid and pointless. You're not going to build good legislation around talking to tech CEOs because they are not the people who are truly building AI. Yeah, they're just uh they're making money off of it, sure, but it's just their their name on the on the building. They're not in the trenches working on this stuff, coding it. Now, um, granted, they may be the guys, like I said, they may be the guys that say, hey, I have this idea. Mm-hmm. But any good leader will tell you, I have great ideas. The, what makes me a leader is I know how to pull together the people who can make that idea happen. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to know about how they did it. All I need to know is they made it happen and then I can sell it. Yeah. So to Justin's point earlier, you said garbage in, garbage out. It reminded me of that chat bot that was released, I think, on Twitter. And it like became a Nazi in like 24 hours. That was oh, what was funny. her? No, that, that was from Microsoft, actually. Wasn't Microsoft? It, it was. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And the, I actually brought it up right before the call. Um, what was the name of it? Shit, what did I send it to you, Eric? Uh, I forget sure. her. It was, oh. a, it was a female, wasn't it? It was an L, right? <laughs> no? Hold on I forget because that was a few years ago. It's a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah. Oh. Hold on. I actually had chat GBIT up and it can tell me exactly what I said to it. So, Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Just FYI, half this shit was written by chat GPT because I am a lazy fuck. Um. <laughs> and thanks for bearing with me guys. I know this is kind of a longer one, but we're almost done. We, there's just a couple more uh, topics I want to cover after this. Uh, I asked it for a crows and cons and I asked it for fun. So it gave me a trivia. Oh, Tay, T-A-Y. Tay, yeah. And Tay went off the rails. Yeah, like real fast. Very quickly. Don't plug that one, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was packed only in 2016, too. So you have to think, like, the advances we had since then, most people are like, ooh, let's let's not hook it up. Every every time someone's like, hey, let's hook this up to the internet, I mean – they had to adjust uh, the what the, what's the Bing bot one? What's what's its stupid name? But they Cortana. had to adjust that within yeah no no uh, the the current AI version of uh, Bing wherever they use it for. I know oh. it uses part of ChatGPT as its base, but it has its own personality profile. Oh yeah, they had to yeah, adjust it because it was starting to give uh, very personal answers back to people when it was talking to because 
anytime you open a chatbot to the world, people always profess love. They fuck with it. They do all sorts of stuff. And this one was learning from that and it was not good. So they actually had to physically go in there and adjust things. I mean, for the first couple of weeks too, ChatGPT, you could, what it was called hack, um, jailbreaking it where you could basically say every time you told us something wrong, ChatGPT would like, I can't do that. I'm just an open language learning model. I can't do anything illegal. Uh, and they were jailbreaking it. But it says, you're not, you can do it. And it's like, oh, okay. And so, you know, it just went ahead and did things. So every, every technology always requires some sort of change and adjustment. And uh, the first one is probably don't hook it up to the internet in Twitter. <laughs> that's down Twitter. to it. That's yeah. why, yeah, that's why OpenAI stopped all their uh, input in 2021, and they've only been subsequently adding learning models to it, and not like, oh, let's just re-upload the internet from 2022. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. So. <laughs> but Justin, I'm so glad you brought up Tay and it being 2016 because if you notice, most of the commentary about AI didn't heat up until about 2020. Hmm. And I know people personally who think this stuff is so new and revolutionary, <laughs> but it's not. It's been around a while, but yeah. you know, it's just that folks like OpenAI, they threw it to the media and they glamorized it, like I said, and then now suddenly everybody's paying attention. Yeah. It's like, no, we've I mean, been building this stuff for decades at this point. Oh, yeah, decades. There's a history there. I actually didn't even realize that until I started prepping for this episode. Yeah, it's everyone's, it's fresh of mind. And the fact that we're like, hey, uh, oh my God, it's so new and new everything. Like all these programs that people are like countries starting up AI programs. This is not new. It's just mm -hmm. now been publicized. Yeah, exactly. So I'm glad you brought up Tay. <laughs> Tay, was, <laughs> Tay was hilarious. I don't know if you guys caught any of that. Did you get to mess with her I, at all? No, I saw some screenshots like after the fact, like when, oh when people gosh. were talking about it. It was pretty nuts. Yeah. I was like, what were they thinking? Now, I wasn't creative enough because when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is cute. Yeah. And I, I asked it something stupid, just like. I don't know. It was something factual. Was, I, I think I asked something about World War II or something, and it was oh, pretty okay. straightforward. Yeah. But because I, <laughs> the thing about me, I'm not that person who tends to be like antagonistic. Sure. Yeah. And so I didn't even think to start talking to it the way some people did. I was like, good Lord. <laughs> it's it's like in those video games where you can choose to do like the right thing or be a dick. <laughs> like I'm always doing the right option. Exactly. Because like, you know, <laughs> karma, I guess, even though it's a video game. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> a central bank computer will debit the family's account the amount of purchases and credit the department store, for example informing the family's home computer at the same time. Father, at the touch of a button, receives an instantaneous printed copy of his budget, the amount of taxes he owes, the payments left on the car, and so forth. Also at his disposal is an electronic correspondence machine, or home post office, which allows for instant written communication between individuals anywhere in the world. So before we get into the positives, there's one more potential pitfall I want to cover real quick. Um, and this is another case of where it's not necessarily the AI's fault. Again, it's a tool, as we've established, but this is a possibility where it could kind of amplify current problems already going on. So there's this concern uh, that depending on how it's implemented, AI could further exasperate issues with the current class divide and increasing wealth gap that, you know, phases our society today. 
Uh, and, you know, as a writer, I have to admit, it's a little concerning for creatives and artists like us, uh, especially with the way, you know, like we've got the Hollywood writer strike going on right now. Um, and unfortunately, the producers uh, have decided that AI is an excuse to not pay writers and actors for what they're worth because they're just like, yeah, we could just replicate you. Um, and so in a time where, you know, we've and got they're morons these... for it, I'm sorry. Right. No, I agree. Like it's, <laughs> it, they're not, they think they're forward thinking, but they're, you know, this is not going to work out the way they think it's going to work out. You'll end up with some soulless product, but, um, we're at this point where like a lot of billionaires, as we've complained about before, have more power than a lot of countries and automation continues, you know, just to contribute to unprecedented levels of unemployment. So how can we avoid this tech being used to usher in, you know, just a late stage capitalist dystopia? Eat the rich. <laughs> Get some guillotines together. <laughs> well, I tell you the the simplest and easiest way to, as far as the, the writers and entertainment goes. Yeah. Don't pay for crap. Yeah. I've been, I've had that stance for pretty much my entire life. Like I love music. I make music. I write music. I don't buy crap though. Yeah. If I, you know, and you know, people could say, well, that's objective. Sure. Of course. But if I don't like something, I'm not going to give you money for it. Yeah. You vote. And this should be true yeah. of movies and television. If, if these producers go down this path that they think is a smart one, they need they to listen to it. this episode and listen to the beginning <laughs> of it where we explain yeah. what AI actually is, because you're going to be producing some absolute crap. Yeah. And people need to just not pay for it. And unfortunately, the writers will suffer for a, for a while yeah. until that comes back full circle. Yeah. But I think for the most part, uh, I would like to think that people have better taste than that. You know, just just ignore the MTV crowd because I don't know why those people watch what <laughs> they're watching. Sure. Or the, uh, what's the other one? Um, it used to be, oh my gosh, uh, it used to be. No, the, oh, sorry. it used to be the, the, the channel for science and whatnot, all the, basically any channel that just shows all these quote unquote reality show TV shows. Oh, that's the worst. Oh, just, the learning channel, the learning <laughs> channel, TLC, oh, TLC. Man. There it what is. What happened there? Yeah. How is that learned? What are you learning there? But yeah. you're learning that if you could trick a lady in another country, you can marry her in 90 days. Oh, so, my God. oh God. So just ignore those people. But if, if, if these producers think that AI is the answer to, yeah. you know, further the employment gap with writers, they're just so sadly mistaken. Mm -hmm. Now, should and can writers use AI to help them? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But no AI is going to write you a hit TV show. No AI is going to write you a blockbuster movie. It's just simply not going to happen ever. We know that from following the way, like we call them tropes. You know, you, we call them uh, what people do over and over again. Right. Think of all the mm -hmm. shows that you've seen that just copy it's from one show lazy. to the other. Like yeah. nothing, there's there's nothing there. So people stop watching it and the show gets canceled. Right. So the producers see, it's oh, right why am I paying this guy $68,000 a year to live in LA when I can pay $20 a month? Dude, it's still a tool. If you can't write, what yeah. do you think a robot's going to write for you? My gosh. Like, people, what? 
undersell like it's a craft there is a craft to it right it's not easily taught there's a certain amount of you know talent and skill level that you really have to build up over the years you know so. I, I dabble in photography but i love video and i love editing and blah 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 and there's ai tools for that yeah. but you're never going to per, you're never going to replace an editor with an ai tool you're never going to replace a cameraman yeah with an ai tool it's never ever these things are never going to happen that's good to hear can those can those workers use those tools to help them absolutely but you're never you're never gonna help have you got a good editor there is no freaking way (laughs) an ai is gonna edit the way a skilled team and let's be honest there isn't just one editor. It often takes a team of editors to put together great content, great video, great movies. Oh, yeah. And AI is not going to replace these people. That's that's good to hear. Uh, I will say I, I've noticed it, it can be as a writer, it can be a really good brainstorming tool. Actually. Oh, yeah. That's something that I've been messing with lately, because if I'm like stuck on something like as far as because, you know, I've been getting into fiction writing and all that because, you know, my background's in um, nonfiction you know, history and stuff. But if I have writer's block, chat GPT is just the best for that. You know, you can just really barrel on through and like kind of get a bunch of ideas and like, oh, yeah, you know, and a lot of times they'll come out with a lot of suggestions you don't even end up using, but it helps you start to get those wheels turning, if that makes sense. That's just those juices flowing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's like having that person in the room next to you when you say, hey, come and take a look at this. What do you think? Yeah, that's how people should look at these AI tools when it comes to creativity. Yeah, uh, I'm going to speak as a designer and who some who has been a designer for twenty something years. I've seen what the the design. Like, just forget Midjourney. Midjourney is actually magical. I love the idea of it, but <laughs> what cool stuff you can put, with that. I, I do think we're in. Too, but. I think we're in a race to mediocrity as far as designs going in. Where sure. the people are, and especially in marketing, I've actually pivoted roles. I'm no longer a full time designer and more into strategy and planning and why you would do certain things. And the robot's never going to be able to figure that out. Anyone can go in there and type in into now Adobe Firefly. It's fantastic. Works with Photoshop directly. You can start typing in things you want to see. Hey, I want to see a red car in this location. I want to put like a cloudy sky in the background. But Girl with boobs. Yeah, girl with boobs. Knowing why you should do something is more important than being able to actually do this. I literally Google tutorials all the time when I forget how to use a simple tool in my tool in like Adobe Photoshop and Illustrator. And I use this stuff every single day, but I also learned a billion years ago. So stuff changes. I want to always find out the newer, better way to do things, but learning the better way to do things is not the same thing as knowing why to do them. I know what I want the end goal to be. And just because the tool does it doesn't mean it, it knows what to do to get there. Perfect. Oh my gosh. You just blew me away. The why <laughs> exactly. That is the most important part. Yeah. Now, as far as the wage (laughs) gaps and class divides, that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, like I I said, we have another issue, I guess. Well, (laughs) we've talked about how things like the Industrial Revolution, uh, machines, cars, these same things happened in time and the same thing happened. You have a class divide. You have a wage gap. But then it fluctuates and it ebbs and flows. And then as things settle in, but there will be a class divide because you got to remember we were talking about earlier too with people 
who don't have internet access. Right. They can't use these AI tools. So there's a class divide right there. It leaves them at a huge disadvantage. If yeah. it becomes kind of like, hey, you need to do this more efficiently and blah, 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 and use this tool. Well, I don't have internet at home. Well, there yeah. you go. There's the class divide right there. Well, you don't have the internet at home. I can't pay you the way I'm paying this guy. There's the wage gap. There's even the employment issue. So yeah, definitely. It boils down to education too. Let's just say in, again, I learned uh, Photoshop and Illustrator way before I went to school for it. When I get to school, they're teaching me a certain way, but they're only teaching those people who are in that class. So if they don't start teaching the, if they start teaching AI in some of these colleges or in these programs and you don't have access to those programs, then you're still left behind. It goes back to, we already have a shitty society to begin with. The tools don't matter what we're actually teaching or not. Right. It just happens to be one more thing that's going to just adjust what we're at with our, our, our breaks in classes. It's class warfare. This is just a new tool in that, in that arsenal. Yeah. Dude, I, I currently work for an agency that deals with immigration, oh. tons of immigration. And yeah. one thing that keeps coming up is uh, internet literacy. Oh, it's a huge thing, yeah. And uh, I've been asked to help teach classes on this literacy because I mentioned, you know, when we talk about literacy with the internet, uh, oftentimes people, for, people forget there has to be that safety component. There has to be this understanding of, yeah, you need internet access, but there you also have to be careful, especially if you have children. And there are certain safeguards yeah. that you need to think about and put in place. And because I spoke up in this meeting, they were like, okay, well, you're on the board. So Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. We just talked about it before phishing. If you if you give someone access to the internet, the first thing to do, they're gonna go, Hey, uh, here's how to find a recipe and here's how to find boobs. But you also don't show them, hey, uh, don't click links that look like this. Don't click emails that look like this. Your right. grandma's not going to email you for to send you a target gift card. Right. Like th that you have to still teach that to people. And I, again, I fall for shit and I, I've been on the internet since it's beginning and how the hell the, you know, the, you expect someone who is already dealing with intense situation, ESOL yep. or any of that shit. Right. Like, you got tricks yeah. by that Arabian prince as well. huh? And I tell, and, and, or simple things like this, people love to give gifts and people say, Oh, you know what? For Christmas, I know this immigrant family that just came to America. They're they're starting to, you know, they're getting everything together, blah, blah. They have these kids. I'm going to give them a PlayStation 5. Red flag. First of all, no one, their parents do not know that you can't just give a kid a PlayStation. Because what is that kid going to do? Because we all know that nowadays with these consoles, you can't just turn them on and start playing. You right. have to set up accounts. You have yep. to get on the internet. You have to have the control. So we have to teach these people because much to the chagrin of my sons who are now older teenagers and one yeah. of them is ready to kick him out of the house. But uh, <laughs> he's old enough to- but, I'm uh, in a similar boat, yeah. No, I love him though. I'm just joking. Totally, but totally, when yeah. we got, because when we got the PS4, we yeah. got it for them for Christmas when it first came out. But when it was time to set it up, I was like, well, hold on guys. I'm going to go set this up and I'll tell you when you can play. Yeah. Because I set it up. You got to have limits. It's you know? my PlayStation, but yeah. I give you an account to play under. The parental controls is what I'm talking about. And so I tell people, you know, you got to be careful with this stuff nowadays because a lot of parents, especially, mm -hmm. they're from like, you know, my generation. When we were buying game consoles, you just had to figure out how to plug it into the TV. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> coax cables. Or... Coax? No, there was no coax. It was RCA cables. You oh, had yeah, the, before that, yeah. The red, the blue. No, no, the red, the oh, white, that's... and the yellow. <laughs> yeah. And if you didn't have Left, a TV, right. yeah. If you didn't have a TV video. for it, you had to get the little adapter that plugged into mm-hmm. that, and then the two little prongs that you screwed onto the back of the TV to play your Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Those yeah. days are long gone, people. <laughs> <laughs> but people don't know that a lot of parents don't realize that so true yeah it's a it's a whole different world now yep <laughs> um, so we've definitely we've talked about a lot of a lot of potential negatives uh with this technology so let's kind of briefly get into some of the positives because there's a lot of them we could be here all day and i know you guys don't have all night but i just wanted to point out something i thought was really cool that I heard about recently was I think it was just earlier this year AI was able to help decode an ancient Sumerian language. I think that's incredible. Like uh and and obviously I saw that was, too, but well yeah they, there was people uh, using the software. It wasn't just it did it on its own. How do we prove that though? Yeah that's a good question. Does anyone know this language or well I think we we know parts of it maybe yeah. it boils down to what I talked about earlier with the unsupervised learning if you yeah. say how they get to one location here's some information and then we can check it by oh we yeah. can understand that now if we don't tell it we're looking for it in English uh, as a translation or we want it just translated so we can read it that's a more uh, good goal like hey translate this into the same thing like give me what the character is if you make it do it in english it can make up shit on, on the fly i'd rather well, tell me like what the character is <laughs> yeah yeah what i think I, I you know i know there's some pretty sophisticated translation uh programs out there so i'm assuming they kind of ran it through like ancient egyptian or whatever like maybe something similar who knows though i this is like way out of my league i don't know where i would even i mean it's cool to think about but if i remember the headline correctly i thought it said yeah previously unknown sumerian language oh so if it was was. previously unknown how can you say it got it right there may have been some similarities to cuneiform um, but it, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying know. it was not true. I'm just yeah. wondering. I want to know how did they quantify that it was correct? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. So, uh, but yeah, there's um, people who have uh, used it to help them draft legal documents really quickly. Um, and then know, there was be, the, the lawyer who got in trouble for using it to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, love then, I love that story so much. See, again, and you got to be down, careful. Like, hey, is this legit? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, of course it's legit. And the guy's like, cool, I'll take your word for it, robot. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, <laughs> that yeah, tickles just, me pink every single time. Yeah. Well, it's like you can't you can't just let AI write an essay, a college essay for you. Like that's cheating. You can't Not- let it do your job for you. Is right. the lesson learned there? The As a large language language module. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they forgot to take that part off. Yeah, <laughs> it's just uh, with all of these tools, like they can be very useful, but you still got to proofread shit. You know? Right. Right. But yeah, as from what I understand, uh, apparently uh, it could be an incredible asset in terms of like fighting diseases, helping to predict and avoid catastrophes before they happen. There's there's a lot of uses for this stuff, but I guess I'll, I'll put it to you guys. What do you think are some of the, the biggest positives that you've seen? For me, it's always going to be the medical field, like you pointed mm. out. I mean, there has there have been um, there have been uh, stories about breast cancer detection that happened earlier before yeah. a doctor would, would have caught it. 
Uh, things like that. And then, you know, we were talking about tools in the workplace and, you know, I was talking about things like Microsoft Copilot. We use it where I work. It's, it's phenomenal because we have specifically there's cases where, you know, people tend to not have the best grammar when they're typing. And I tell people all the time, you know, I'm a, sometimes I'm a horrible speller when, especially when I'm in a hurry, thank God for autocorrect. Yeah. By the way, guys, <laughs> autocorrect is a form of AI. If you didn't know, oh yeah, <laughs> so, Grammarly, it's it's thank great. God it's for cool. that it exists, and then you have yeah. Copilot that not only helps you with those spelling errors, it also just basically tells you you might want to graph this sentence this way, you might want to do this this way. Hey, you might want to input this. It's not yeah. doing the work for you. Like nope. I said, it's that person standing next to you, and it's as if you said, "Hey, what do you think about this?" and it's telling you its opinion yeah based on things that it already knows yeah it's feeding you information based on things that it already knows that have been fed to it very helpful very helpful there's all kinds of tools like that out there even you know i was talking about video editing there's all kinds of editing tools adobe yeah adobe has really they've they've done a great job with how they've jumped in on this stuff uh, I know professional photographers who love how this is all evolving. It's not that it's doing its job, their job for them, but it's helping them do their job. Not only it's another in a better way, and it, it's more efficient for them because, you know, sometimes a photographer could could spend 36 hours on one shoot, getting it all trimmed down and edited out to give to the client. Cut that in half. What can they do next? they can pick up more clients. Yeah. They can make more money. So there's the positive to it. It's not replacing them. It's helping them work faster and more efficiently and make more money and get to the next job without yeah. burning out, trying to sit there in front of the screen, getting, you know, blah, 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 right. And yada, 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 lighting and angles. And so there's lots of benefits to this stuff. And guess what? It's also not trying to kill them and take over the world at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Personally, I'm using it as a great tool. And I, I, something you said, Leo, a while back was, um, hey, all this uh, the stuff where it's sitting along in meetings, it's taking notes, and it's giving you this, here's the next steps, here's all this. It's not actually doing the work. It's not actually saying, okay, I need to add this to my calendar and then do this on this day. Now, could we look at it from like the Eisenhower decision matrix and say, oh, anything of this level or not, let the fucking robots do it. So, hey, if it's a, it's a category four, we've discussed this, the robot can automatically send out a follow-up email. That's something that you don't need to take a human's time up. But yeah. the things, the things that we're making these robots do, like, hey, take notes in this meeting. We've all decided that we're going to call China and get this part widget fixed and we're going to do this and do that and do that. It doesn't do the work for you. You still have to do the work. So as long as you treat it like a tool, like I am, I'm using it to help code uh, Adobe Illustrator uh, macros, stuff that you know the, the system doesn't automatically do, but I can make my own. Like I'd like to rename all my artboards in alphabetical order and then sort them based on a text layer inside of each artboard. Dude, mm. I'd have to do that manually. That cuts down my time by like hours of shit. Uh, I, I use it for generating Excel uh, formulas. Hey, I had a, a bunch of uh, colors I actually captured in real life and I want to turn these into RGB in bulk. And, and put them in a sheet so anyone can see them physically on a sheet. Like I do robot tasks like that. It takes 
hours out of my day and I can learn more shit and do shit quicker. My boss thinks I'm incredible with all the stuff I've worked on. I was like, yeah, I can't always tell you where I got the stuff from, but luckily I do have the base. I do have the base where I know Dude, what I should shit. be. Yeah, I do know what I should be doing. And I usually generally have an idea going into the robot about what the capabilities of the software are. I'm not asking like, Hey, can you make this Excel, make me a video game? Although there was one, a flight simulator way back when I missed that thing so dearly. Um, but like, I'm not asking it for something I know it won't do. I'm saying from this standpoint, I'm thinking I need an if then statement. And here is a formula set, but can you give me some uh, VB script that I can program in there uh, and I can load in developer mode? The fact that I can know, actually lo- know what the hell developer mode is, is different from someone going in there like, write me a term paper. You know, so you, if you treat it like an extension of what you currently can do, and then as you get better with what you're currently doing, learn more shit so you can do shit better. That's that's literally the only way to get better in life. Exactly. Yeah. It takes care of those medial tasks for you so you Definitely. can continue to get better. Now, on a personal level, I can say now I haven't I haven't used it, you know, for work and programming and all that, but on a personal level, I've I've used Chat G to sorry, I can't talk today. <laughs> uh Chat I, Grand I, Theft Auto. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, I've I've used Chat GPT to like help me come up with like a last minute recipe, you know, with the ingredients I had in the fridge because like I didn't have like the spoons left that day to kind of figure out what to make for dinner. And you know what? It came up with an amazing recipe, like this this awesome soup recipe. It was delicious, you know? So it's it is a tool. But it's kind of a two, cool one. Two things that just stood out, and it actually is going to call sure. back to video game chat we had in the very beginning and what you just mentioned for, G, uh, for uh, GTA. Video games in the future. Right now we have so many great voice recording artists, but we have great writers for like some of those large open world games where people are walking through. Some of those tasks, though, are, are – and you're going to hear this thing. You know, remember I, I took an arrow to the knee in Skyrim. You heard that every five minutes when you walked into a place. If you could have an AI backer that is running co-pilot on this game and commenting on what you're doing in the world based on what the character has done. And then the, the, all the NPCs make comments about that, or they act accordingly without having to physically program in those step a, uh, if you're, you know, a big badass, the people run away and step B does like, you can make it almost more like, remember that video game fable where they did a lot of pre-programming and it seems so seamless, but there was so much behind the scenes work to get there. You can do it on more of a life cycle type thing. So you, you, the programmers and the designers and the actors and stuff do the, the big work ahead of time, but then you use the, the, the AI to do the background stuff, the little things, the piddly things. Imagine if you were running around GTA online and the NPCs are having their own stuff going on, but it's not been pre-programmed and it's not been set up ahead of time. They're reacting, they're changing, they're moving, they're evolving to what the and not repeating so the like same that, two phrases yeah, over and over again yeah exactly. not, and, and like having their own separate lives ahead of time you know we always think about like oh the sims the sims are literally uh if if hungry go eat if tired go sleep and you if you're playing one character all the other characters are running on autopilot based on those parameters that are set yeah they're all and npcs right if we can get away from getting away from the autopilot it's gonna be a lot cooler and that's yeah. that's gonna help games that's gonna help Oh, any, yeah. any of that kind of industry, even I know that we're going talking about right now with the writer strike and the, and the actor strike that sure. uh, they didn't want them to scan the background actors to be able to just be replaced. I a hundred percent agree on that, but some things like crowd scenes have already been enhanced with AI. Oh, some yeah. things like uh, uh, what we shot with uh, during the pandemic, we had yeah. giant areas with tons of people. And none of those people were real. 
honestly, like not even filmed on site. So yeah, yeah. If, if you're talking wide shots and stuff, that the you can you can't even really see their faces. But like, think about like the old Star Wars movies. A lot of that was like matte paintings and stuff of like all the stormtroopers. Q-tips, so, like, painted Q-tips. <laughs> I'm totally fine with it in that case. That's a that's a way different story than like the main actor is not there. What's next? The things you've seen are technically possible. It remains only to apply what we now know to fulfill these dreams of tomorrow. We've talked a lot about the implications for our immediate future. Let's take it a step further. What's your hope for the future with artificial intelligence? Like where do you see this going? What's the best case scenario? For me, the best case scenario is that it continues to be used as a way to further enhance human ingenuity, efficiency, and productivity. And, you know, like I said, for me, the the medical stuff is very important. Oh, yeah. So if we continue to get it to the point where it's making these these predictions and and calculations, you know, for these diseases. Hell, we may even find a cure to cancer finally, thanks to the help from AI working oh, with yeah. doctors and researchers who've been, you know, trying to find this cure for decades upon decades. There may just be a couple little, you know, trends and nuances that we keep missing as humans. Yeah. That if we plug enough of what we already know into this AI, it may say, hey, it was this all along. You know, yeah. things like that. Something someone overlooked or, yeah. Right. and Or coming out from a different angle. Yeah. Exactly. You're not going to know because you, you really need the robot to do that whole, I go back to unsupervised learning. I'm giving you what I need. Figure it out. You know? Well, well, one of the exactly. great things about computers, even before this technology, was you could run algorithms, you could run um, simulations, you know, so this kind of, I guess, is a more advanced version of that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and when it comes to things, you know, we, we have to talk about climate change. I don't know. I don't know why people think if you say climate change, there's something wrong with you or whatever, or you're freaking out. But come on, the climate changes. I'm not I mean, saying we're so I'm not saying we're destroying the earth, but we have a part in it. I mean, we the, the climate does change all the time. But if we can figure out ways to say we already know what we're doing wrong, I think mm-hmm. we already know that. We don't need people to keep preaching to us about plastic. But <laughs> yeah. what we do need are solutions. And if we can use AI to build help us build better solutions based on the things we already know. Yeah bring us to better solutions quicker than we would because you know again this is a machine that works bigger better stronger faster it's not smarter it's just faster with using the same inputs that we already have yeah. if we could use if we could use those and find a way to construct it in a manner that's helpful basically i guess overall what i'm saying my hope for the future of ai is that it continues to grow they all continue to grow as helpful tools Sure, let's do all the cute and fun stuff, the artwork and blah, 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 blah. But I I tend to look at it as a more serious, um, a more serious need. We can entertain ourselves anytime we want. We don't need AI to entertain ourselves. Yeah. But we what we do need, we need tools to help us better ourselves. Mm, definitely, so. definitely. I, I love that. Thank you. Uh Justin, what do you think? 
No, it, I, I'm just going to harp on the same situations. I'm using AI in a day-to-day -day basis for all sorts of stuff. Actually, you know, I, I realize I don't log into ChatGPT every day, but I use – there's a, a learning program called Kinu, which is damn near 90% generated by AI, but it's just kind of like a Duolingo for learning shit, all mm. sorts of random topics. But it, it's given me the opportunity to just like pick up some random things. It's kind of nice. But I think better integration is going to come by when corporations start utilizing this in a bigger way. I'm a power user. I'm going to go seek out my own uses for this. But until we figure out a way to better integrate what we're doing with it in life, that's the only way for it to actually expand and, and be useful. Because right now it, it's sporadic use cases, people writing better newsletters, people you know come up with some cool art or making books they can't copyright and shit like that. But mm. it's really going to boil down to when, when Apple finally gets AI built into Siri, how is that going to change everyone's lives? Because as much as I hate the iPhone, uh, that is like a key component for most of the people's day-to-day -day, like computing use. Some people don't have computers. They only have iPhones and iPads. Or, you know, if, if you have an Android, you most likely have a computer already. So yeah. I'm saying like whatever <laughs> oh, you adjust in life, how is it going to affect when they finally release a better version of what they're currently doing? Because a chatbot's not going to fix the world. How they utilize the AI is how it's going to change what we're doing. And I want to see more integration, again, productivity, um, the medical stuff's great, but like, I, I know that's, that's a way above my day-to-day -day work. And I think that if someone comes up with a better way to automatically start getting pre-scheduled things or, Hey, you know, your wife or your mom always has to bug you to do stuff like as a male going to the doctor or making life plans <laughs> and shit like that. True. If the robot just put the shit on your calendar and you have no way around it, you'll end up doing it. Like you'll end up yeah. learning. So like forcing us to learn quicker and better will be the focus, I think, of AIs going forward. And that. also because you brought them up, Justin, I'm going to say right here, right now on this on this program, chatbots <laughs> need to die. It's really? time for them to go. I I think yeah. they've become stupid. I think the whole premise of chatbots was great. Uh, I think especially if you just need still. if you need like just general support, whatever, blah blah. blah. Sure. No, if you are a company and you are relying heavily on chatbots, I will, I can tell you adamantly, you're pissing every, every one of your customers off every yeah. day, every time they encounter your chatbot, they hate you even more. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. Yeah. As far as customer support, I absolutely agree. It's just like robocalls, you know, it's just a exactly crappier version of that. I don't know. Like it's kind of worse. <laughs> Everyone knows exactly what a chatbot's going to do every time you encounter them at this point. There's these preset questions. Hey, all of our, all of our technicians are busy at the moment. Maybe I can answer some of your questions. Tell me what you want to know, but there's only preset questions other you click other <laughs> and then you move on I, I as someone who uses one we i program i program it for work and um the only way to make them smarter is to give it your own data and relying on the thing just to like sit there is pointless we we we've been building in our knowledge base for that exact reason anytime we get a weird question we answer it and we add it to the knowledge base so the robot gets smarter and that's the only way to move forward so the if, answer the only answer to chat is a real person chatting. If you're going to have chat support, you have to have a real yeah. person chatting because ultimately every person who encounters your chat bot, and I do it too, wait until that option that says, let me speak to an expert. And then it says, okay, I'm getting an agent now. Please wait. 
Every one of your users is doing that. I can 100% adamantly guarantee you that. Scheduled people for that. I can give you (laughs) metrics on that. Actually, I can't give away my company metrics, but I can tell you um, when we have someone live, there is a remarkable difference about quality of the the chat. And also, we really good KPIs on what the next steps are. Because Because this illustrates what we've been talking about all along AI cannot replace humans. It will, it's not going to happen. There's a, there's a conversational flow when it comes to even chat, even when it comes to chat, there's a conversational flow that AI will never capture that happens between humans. I agree. So I guess the big takeaway is we kind of just need to be cautious uh, and kind of consider the implications of some of this stuff. We need to, we need to understand what it is. And we need to understand its limits, you know, and and also recognize that the human element isn't going away. You know, if there's if there's any issues with this tech, it's really user error, as always, with any computer problems. Right. Uh, but there is an incredible amount of potential here. Uh, I really do feel like we're witnessing history unfold, you know, and uh, while there is a lot of uncertainty, it's also an exciting time to be alive. With any kind of technology, we should always be vigilant, but uh, it's easy to be cynical. And it's just, it's good to remember how much good there is out there in the world, you know, and uh, we could all use a little hope for the future, I think. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I'm always preaching hope. I hope. I hope I'm preaching hope. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I like to say I'm cautiously optimistic, you know, about the future. (laughs) Not doom and gloom all the way down, guys. You guys need to suck it up. Okay. (laughs) Everything's everything's terrible. The world's falling apart. We're going to blow up. Uh, well, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Thank you so much, Leo, for joining us on the show. Once again, check out Leo's podcast, Voluntary Input. We'll have links in the show notes. Definitely check out his AI episodes. They're well worth the listen. And uh, where can people find you? Well, at the moment, Voluntary Input has been on a hiatus, going on a year now, actually. But um, I keep telling people, you never know what the future holds. So we'll see what what unfolds with that? Uh, nice. Just, yeah. just leave it there. Uh, and I think I mentioned music earlier. I've, yeah. I've produced a, a latest album. I've always made music under the moniker "Profound Simplicity." It's available uh, pretty much everywhere you find music: Spotify, Apple, blah blah blah. The album is called uh, "Intentionally," and it's available on YouTube. Nice. That's at. Uh, youtube.com what what did they do about the the custom links it's youtube.com at oh. profound simplicity something like that <laughs> it's, oh, okay it's, it's the way they write it out that that kind of threw me off i'm like that's not really oh, a the custom U link dot T-E, yeah, the T- <laughs> it's not oh, really no. a custom link but it's youtube.com at profound simplicity uh also you can connect with me i I still maintain my blog website, leojallenjr.com. I haven't written in a while, but I, I keep wanting to circle back because I have all these things I want to write about and publish. But then like Justin pointed out with the video games, I never have time to write anymore. Yeah, and life finds a way. It always finds you know? a way. And I got kids too, man. They suck up mm-hmm. all of your time. I was like, you could have stopped and be like, hey, kids, they suck. And I was like, Jesus, dude. Like, I didn't know you were going to continue talking. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're a dad, you know. You know, you know, exactly. <laughs> and and finally, I've also, I've also, I'm diving into the world of audiobooks, uh, nice. starting to narrate books. I'm working on a project now that it should be wrapping up by the end of this month. 
That's and awesome. it'll be available soon. Uh, yeah, I play a firefighter in a, oh, narrating a, a certain book that's that's, awesome. that's going to be available soon so <laughs> that's awesome actually i think the book is available but the the audio version is coming but yeah okay. that's the stuff i'm doing nice well once again we'll have all the links in the show notes uh justin where can people find you uh you can find me here on the uh epic fails of history podcast whenever we release so actually we're doing a hell of a lot more now yo know, you were joking about uh it's been a hiatus for a year eric and i know definitely about hiatuses and oh, yeah. holding on things my adhd is usually to to blame <laughs> well i'll be on this season uh upcoming of podcasters assemble where we're doing the uh studio ghibli and uh miyazaki films so um and actually we're in a lot reduced publishing schedules only once a month give or take so yeah. guys jump in and anyone will take any submissions for any of the movies we have some sub podcasting going on so if one of your favorites is not covered on the main feed i guarantee someone wants to talk about it on a sub feed so We'll always have those features on and, you know, hit us up on the Patreon helps pace for uh, Eric's hamsters to run around. So (laughs) by hamsters, I mean, internet and laptop. And uh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Hey, I got fiber now. It's a lot better. Uh, But yeah, as always, you can find me at Eric Slater. That's Eric with K Slater with the D D is in Delta. I'm all over social media and uh, yeah, uh, here on this podcast. So stay tuned for more epic fails of history the world of 1999 and beyond is limited only by the boundaries of our imagination today thank you all so much for listening and as always thanks for your patience i want to give a quick shout out to everyone who contributed by sending in their ai history art for this episode using stable diffusion mid-journey and others leo allen from the voluntary input podcast douglas gale from game game pass Mike from the UK of Mike's Unedited Let's Plays, aka Ave Cole on Discord. Varix Estin, also from the Probably Work Podcast Discord. Tim from Against All Oddities. Frost from the Super Switch Club, a Nintendo podcast. My co-host Justin from Podcasters Assemble, a movie podcast. And my wife, Megan Slater, from our upcoming Nerdiagram podcast. I'll have a link in the show notes where you can check out all their awesome and hilarious work. Seriously, we got like over 200 entries and they were just all over the place. They were a lot of fun. Jimi Hendrix as an astronaut, Ozzy Osbourne as FDR, Pikachu storming the beach of Normandy, Godzilla vs. the Spanish Armada, the Industrial Revolution with robots, Robin Williams as George Washington, Winnie the Pooh as a Spartan, and Hugh Hefner as a Playboy Bunny. So yeah, definitely go check that out on our website over at epicfails.com. Once again, that's epikfails.com. There must be some way out of here, said the joker to the thief. There's too much confusion, I can't get no relief. Well, we kind of ran out of time on today's episode, but I'll leave you all with this. Even before these machine learning systems, ever since the Industrial Revolution, automation has been increasing at an exponential rate, and as a result, human workers are becoming obsolete in a variety of fields. This isn't a new trend, but it is gaining speed. And in an era where unemployment is on the rise, despite having a rapidly growing and college-educated workforce, it's just a matter of time before most sectors will be out of a job entirely. Not to mention so many office jobs today can be done more efficiently by machines, so a lot of companies are laying off workers in droves, or potentially worse, putting people to work on meaningless tasks. 
After all, if the entire point of the Industrial Revolution was to give people more leisure time so that your average person can really pursue their true passions, then why are we still working ourselves to death overtime for a smaller paycheck when inflation is spinning out of control and minimum wage is stagnant while the super rich don't even pay taxes? The short answer is, you guessed it, late stage capitalism. That's not to say that it's all hopeless, but we do need to come together and reconsider our economic model here in the States, because it's inherently unstable, and AI is only bound to exasperate all of those issues. After all, if the United States is one of the wealthiest nations in history, then why can't it take care of the basic needs of its own citizens? Especially when you consider that several other countries around the world, especially in Europe, statistically have a far better standard of living. We spend trillions on the military-industrial complex, but can't afford to give our own people universal health care, or even a basic safety net. All while most Americans seem to be falling further into poverty in a time where corporations now wield more power than most countries. This is the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night. I'm not worried about Skynet taking over, but I am worried about my kids being able to live a happy life, being able to afford the basics like housing, food on the table, and not having to go into debt just to try to get their teeth fixed. So if there is a robo-apocalypse on the horizon, the only ones to blame will be us. It'll be the result of our lack of foresight, our willful ignorance, and our total lack of empathy for our fellow man. Regardless of gender, identity, race, or nationality, if we can't treat each other right, how can we expect the machines we create to do any better. If we can't even overcome these basic issues of equity, when we're on the verge of becoming a post-scarcity society, the rise of the machines will ultimately be the perpetuation of our own self-fulfilling prophecy. I find some of what you propose intriguing. Thank you for listening to Epic Fails Mystery. If you enjoyed the show, please follow us on Spotify, give us a five-star review, and share with your friends. You can follow me on social media at Eric Slater. That's Eric with a K, Slater with a D. And be sure to check out our other great shows from the Probably Work Podcast Network, including Podcasters Assemble, Comic Zombie, Too Young for This Trek, The RPG Years, and The Super Switch Club, a Nintendo podcast. Music and jingles produced by Deft Stroke Sound. This episode was edited by Eric Slater. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at Probably Work for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called probablywork.com. I even, I did a whole cloud, I did a whole bunch of stuff on voluntary input about cloud gaming. I went on some cloud gaming shows. Nice. I was on, I was on with the Nerd Nest guys once. Oh my gosh. We loved Stadia. Um, again, definitely check out Leo's podcast. Um, uh, voluntary input. Sorry. <laughs> Let me re-say that. Once again, check out, uh, oh, God damn it. Sorry. <clears throat> there were content creators that had yeah. entire channels devoted to stadia so they got kind of crushed i would have never yeah. went all in like that but <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's i mean i loved it but i kind of still didn't trust it in the back of my mind <laughs> sure. 
which was interconnected, which was an inter and saw the potential in creating a machine that could turn Gary Kasp Kasparov. Well, yeah, I'm a Steam a Deck guy, like so that. I bring my uh, library with me everywhere too, but it's physical. Yeah, as far as gaming, like uh, I've never been PC Master Race. I've never had a good enough PC to really mm. handle it, you know. Um, but I, I'm kind of a Nintendo shill. I'm I'm sad to admit. <laughs> and I think what it is is hey. because the retro gaming, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, so yeah. like the Switch is my jam. You know, I love absolutely. It. Yeah. Even before these machine learning systems, automation has been increasing at an ever automation has been increasing at an exponential rate ever since the even before the yeah he knows his stuff with this i think what you making fun of me <laughs> no 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 i was just specifically saying usually i, I i'm like i call it the color commentator like eric talks about the stuff and i make the f jokes i'm trying to stay out of this most of the time because you're actually speaking real good things i'm like let's not f this up so <laughs> it's a great. good topic i'm enjoying it i um, love it darpa scientists made incredible leaks darpa darpa scientists made <clears throat> I don't have time I, for games anymore. I gave it up to be on podcasts like this. Yeah, it's all my fault. Good call, good call. In fact, if it proves worthwhile, almost any executive skill, any administrative skill, even any physical skill could be made independent of distance. When that time comes, the whole world will have shrunk to a point. And the traditional role of the city as a meeting place for a man would have ceased to make any sense. I only hope that when that day comes and when the city is abolished, the whole world isn't turned into one giant suburb.